Jam-packed to the rafters. Let's go up to our ring announcer. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Outside, we couldn't see it from our vantage point. fans and welcome to our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast thank you guys for being with us here for episode 247 it is monday november the 15th 2021 we're here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling as always i'm joe Morata, joined by michael quinn how you doing there michael Howdy doody. We are halfway through November. We are. We are November to remember. I've remembered most of it 20, so far. 22, 21 edition. 21 is the year, yes. Sorry, yes. That's quite all right. Folks, we thank you for remembering to be with us here as we romp you through the world of retro wrestling. We have some topics in store for you. You can decide if they're good or not. But before we get to any of that, I want to remind you guys of, what do we call it, Quinn? The housekeeping items? Yeah, house. Keep that house. You <laughs> keep your house. Keep the, keep the brush. Yes. Keep the- you can go right on over to Twitter at OVP Podcast. If you don't follow us there, you might want to because every single day we post like a dozen or so clips. Clips? What are you talking Excuse about? Clips. Me. Gifts. Don't, po- <laughs> don't give anybody any ideas yeah, about right. that. But uh, it's retro wrestling goodness and it's drama free. So if you have a Twitter account and you want to follow us there, you can do that at OVP Podcast. You can also email us if you want to at OVP Podcast at gmail.com. That is OVP Podcast at gmail.com. But Quinn, if people want to talk to you and me, and over 1,200 other retro wrestling fanatics and debate the Royal Flush and the Royal Rankings, where may they go? Over at Facebook.com slash X7. Yes. It's a great Shut site up. about a great WrestleMania. Shut up. And and you can read about it over there. You can. If, if you use the search bar. That's right. And you type in the search bar, our vantage point, dash, retro wrestling podcast, bing, bang, boom, tube score, kafloey. You hit the join group you're in and the WrestleMania X7 goodness descends upon you. Or WrestleMania 3. Yes, or, or, or that one. And the only thing that we ask of you when you join our group, folks, on Facebook is to not be what, Quinn? A dunderhead. All that means, not being a dunderhead, means... You are more than welcome to share your opinion about anything retro wrestling, to disagree, to debate, to agree, you know, Mm -hmm. to ask questions. All we mean by don't be a dunderhead is don't be an asshole. Right. Be very nice. (laughs) If you can be very nice about your opinion, you are more than welcome to join the group there. And again, that's on Facebook. If you have a Facebook, if it's still called Facebook by the time this comes out. (laughs) Meta.com slash OVP podcast or whatever they're calling it. Better put that in as a disclaimer. Yeah. Uh, But really, it is a fun time over there. Join the group. Give it a shot. And speaking of giving things a shot, if you like OVP, you've been with us maybe a few weeks, a few months, five years. I don't know. Some people have. And you like what we do and you want more content. We have two separate shows available over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. You got the 1984 Canon, which right now is in May of 84. Wow. May. Cindy Lauper is looming. She is. It's a big deal. What? 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 Not only that, we have the pay-per-view reviews, everything back to the first WrestleMania, out right now for November, WrestleMania 10, and coming up next month, King of the Ring 94. That'll be fun. How much does he weigh? We're going to find out how much everyone weighs. So if you want to find that out and find out what we think of every WWF pay-per-view, just go to patreon.com slash OVP podcast. But Michael. Yes. We're winding down the season. We're getting to that point. Getting windy. We're getting a little windy. And all season long, folks, we have been 
doing a segment to open up where we are talking about perhaps a wrestler. Oh, we even did a title, right? Mm-hmm. That was very successful, very well known, mm-hmm. worked really well in any other territory but the WWF. For example, we have talked about anyone from Tony Anthony, the TV title, mm-hmm. right? We talked about the Steiner brothers, Barry Windham, a lot of different things, right? This is a segment where we talk about people that were successful anywhere but New York. I'm in a New York state of mind. It's very sad. It is. It's very, very sad. It's really the saddest. (laughs) Now, this sad one was suggested by a great friend of the show, Jonathan Facento, and he wanted us to talk about, Quinn, the fabulous Freebirds. Yeah, big WWF stalwarts. (laughs) Right. The fabulous Freebirds. Now, maybe some of you out there are like, wait, Freebirds never went to the WWF. But the Freebirds were there for a brief period of time in 1984. It did not last long. So why don't we talk about what the... First of all, what are the Freebirds? Well, they're uh, a ragtag bunch (laughs) of uh, three men. Terry Bam Bam Gordy, Michael Doc Hayes, (laughs) and Buddy Roberts. Yes, that's right, Quinn. And the Freebirds got started in 1979. Some of you really definitely know who the Freebirds are better than we do. So we're not trying to... Condescending here. The thing is, we're just trying to appeal yeah, to everybody. Yeah, it's not even like condescending as no. much as like we grew up in the Northeast. They were not a non-factor to us. Again, exactly. the most we knew of them was well, King <laughs> Mabel. Like <laughs> yeah. that's like the best we knew. Right, exactly. King Mabel. But the Freebirds got started in Mid South, I believe it was around 1979, with Michael P. S. Hayes, who was very young, about 20 years old, and Terry Bam Bam Gordy, who was even younger. Yeah. And these two were known as the Fabulous Freebirds, and they were in Mid South for I want to say until around 1980. They added Buddy Roberts, who was more, he was older than them. Oh, much older. <laughs> By like 10, 12 years, you right? You can tell much later on that he's way older yeah. than them. And he was more of like a journeyman, like a veteran wrestler, but had never been a huge star that I'm aware of. But collectively, these three made a big impression on certain promotions. The first one after Mid-South was Memphis, mm-hmm. CWA, that is, you know, the uh, Jerry Jarrett right. promotion down there. You look at it, baby. You look at it, pretty hair and fair faucet. More moves than John Travolta, more romance than Robert Redford. Baby, I could go on for days and weeks, but we ain't got all that time. Then they stepped it up a bit, and they went over to Georgia Championship Wrestling. Right. Their spokesman is Mr. Michael Hayes. That's right. Don't you ever forget fabulous Freebirds. Ladies and gentlemen, you have seen all kind of great tag teams come through your area. And you have always seen two men compromise the tag team. But before your eyes, you do see three. Then they went over for their biggest and most famous run. 1982. This this is the big boy for them. Yep. This is where the Freebirds, I guess, cemented their legacy, you could say. When they stormed into the territory, Michael Hayes was a face at first and then infamously or famously he was like i'm friends with the von erics yeah. they're good or whatever and, and there's like a cage match where i think it's carrie von erics fighting rick flair and michael hayes special come, referee he's the special ref and he just like fucks up carrie and like yep. it's a whole brouhaha and for like two years now we've got the von erics who are the hometown favorites right right dallas's own you better love the von erics if you're watching world class down there mm-hmm. right Versus these assholes from Georgia, right? Making the southern rivalry the fabulous Freebirds, and they were cool. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna sugarcoat it, Quinn. 
They're cool for they their time. Cool. They really are. It's been quite some time since I've been invited any place by the fabulous Freebirds, Michael Hayes, Buddy Roberts, Terry Gordy. I have, well, no thank you very much. After that last place you took us to eat. I thought you invited me there. Yeah, well, if you had the money like we do to have a secretary, then you'd have somebody responsible enough to take your appointments. I see. Well, it's a nice place you have. Here. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Money buys things, and as people know, we're the world champions along with the American Tag Team Champions. I will say this about them. They... they as maybe to a more modern perspective, not even modern now, but they really felt like they were like the NWO or something of their time. Like they came in and they just kind of ran rough shot over the faces. They did. And it turned into this like endless feud that just printed money for world class. world class. It made them like a big player amongst the territories that were vying for expansion in the 80s. Right. Vince McMahon being one of them. Yeah. Who was also courting the Von Erichs, by the way, that whole time. Right. The funny part is Vince was seeing what was going on in there. It's like, that is money. Yeah. Right. It's like that. We need to get that. It was a huge feud. Yeah. And the dynamic of the three of them was really cool because Michael Hayes, not a worker, like, mm. and not saying he wouldn't wrestle, but he's like the Jesse Ventura. The of thing about team. Michael Hayes is he's got a really good look. Great like, look. He looks like he could kick some ass he's got he looks cool and his ability on the mic was right. ridiculously good right so he's got those pieces with him you know back then i mean it was about the wrestling but it wasn't also right if yeah. you could carry yourself on the mic you can get away with doing less in the ring right, right. terry gordy was is probably known as like one of the uh, one of the better workers ever yeah and he was the worker I mean, of the this, freebirds this guy was going all over the place because of his work he was in japan oh and yeah all over the territory system. Well-regarded wrestler, right? Died way too young. Right. And then Buddy Roberts was like an all-arounder. He could talk. He was a small guy. He could work, though, for sure. Journeyman. Journeyman. Yeah. But, but Very it was journey. A lot of journey. Don't stop believing. So anyway, the Freebirds make their name world-class with this endless, in a good way, feud with the Von Eriks. And then all of a sudden, in the summer of 1984, they do show up in the World Wrestling Federation. Hmm. Uh, we'll be getting there in the canon in a few months. It'll be a little bit, but we'll be getting there. And their first actual appearance is in August of 84. Uh-huh. So Vince McMahon, who throughout 1984 and even back into like 82, 83, when he took over... On a bit of a roll. On a roll, bringing in talent from other places. He had brought in Roddy Piper, Paul Orndorff, Dave Schultz, most notably, of course, Hulk Hogan, right? Yeah. Brought back Greg Valentine and Bob Orton. Don Morocco. Don Morocco had come back in for a yeah. while, right? I mean, G- just the, the whole territory was yeah. brimming with people all of a sudden. Jimmy Snuka. Jimmy Snuka, Tito Santana came yeah. back in. And the Freebirds were amongst those acquisitions. Now, again, August of 84, we're already into the early stages of the rock and wrestling connection. So Cindy Lauper has already been established in the WWF. Right. Her boyfriend manager guy, David Wolf. David Wolf. He's like, I love rock and roll. You know, put another dime in the jukebox, baby. Right. So he brings in the fabulous Freebirds. So here's the thing about the fabulous Freebirds. If you knew anything about them, their entrance was uh, Leonard Skinner, was it? Initially, yes. Yeah, they, Freebird. They were associated with music. Uh-huh. Like they had their own theme they later with Bad the Bad Street. Street. But they kind of fit. Per- like if you're going to have rock and wrestling... You kind of have to have the Freebirds in 1984, right? I mean, they're, they're associated with rock and roll and wrestling. And Michael they're Hayes like, likes to sing. That's literally their gimmick. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, they see, they're, they're perfect, right? Right. On the surface, nothing yeah. wrong here, right? A southern rock and wrestling, but nevertheless, appeal it's to- still music. Appeal, <laughs> appeal I can't say that demos. much about, like, Sergeant Slaughter, Mr. Musician over here. Good point. The Freebirds come in and they're introduced in storyline by David Wolfe. 
And they make, they have several matches, but not a ton of them. And I'm not going to run down every single match, but I believe they had something like, I don't know, a dozen, 16. It's not a lot. You know, they're only there less than two months total. The Freebirds between August and October of 1984. A victory for the Freebirds. So there's rumors and stuff that things that (laughs) might've happened here, um, because it really doesn't make any logical sense why they would just be booted after two months, right? Like, right. what? How could that happen? Like, right. they're 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 clearly like a draw. They're clearly like something Vince McMahon can make money off of. What the hell happened? Well, a couple of things, but the big rumor that Quinn is referring to, I don't know if this is true, but this is the scuttlebutt, right? Yeah. The Gaga, yeah, the Gaga, the Gaga. That's what they called it back then too. Is that they showed up late <laughs> for? For a taping or a shot somewhere, right? <laughs> and Andre the Giant was like, you're fired. Yeah. And he's I don't like you. You don't do that. And then they're like, you can't fire. She's like, you'll see tomorrow if you're fired. <laughs> and then they were fired. Yeah, you know, <laughs> this stuff with Andre sometimes... Listen, we all love Andre. Yeah, he's, I know. He's the nicest guy in the world, but he's also an asshole. He hates everybody. He hates everyone, but he's so nice. <laughs> he, right? he likes the kids. Yeah, he likes kids, but what a dick. But like every right? every story here is like, yeah, Andre didn't like that guy. Andre didn't like Who that Who did guy. he like? Like, I don't know. Yeah, even like, I didn't like Hulk at the beginning. Like, <laughs> I didn't like Vince. Yeah, it's like, what? I liked Arnie. So Andre the Giant fires them, basically. <laughs> I mean, because like... Vince McMahon, he seems to do whatever the hell Andre says back then. Are you going to talk back to Andre the Giant to be fair? Well, you know what? If I don't want to do what Andre says, I'm not going to pay him anymore. Fair. Also. <laughs> also. But you I got, think some, v- someone's got to fund the, uh, the, the state in the, Georgia or whatever. <laughs> South Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> and all the, all the wine that he drinks and right, shit. Right. Yeah. But anyway, so that is obviously the rumor, right? And that's, they were gone as quick as they were there. They were gone, right? I understand you come in here with a fine reputation behind you. Well, we came in here to do business and do what we do well. And if you've ever seen any of the Freebirds footage from 1984, their faces, and that's the other thing, Quinn, that... Yeah, I think that probably hurt. Maybe maybe they didn't... See, here's the thing. is Maybe they were planning on turning them heel or something, because like we said, they are there for like two months or right, something. Right, right. Maybe they, they hadn't built up the credibility in the backstage. Like, they weren't important enough yet that... It was to the point where Andre could be like, you're fired. And they were actually fired. <laughs> right. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, like Vince didn't even have to think about it. They hadn't done much yet. Right. right. So Vince is like, well, if Andre doesn't like him, <laughs> you know, he makes more money than they make right now for me. So true. <laughs> it's a very good point. Yeah. Here's the other thing. I wonder this. This this is now we get into the hypotheticals here. So their faces, right? Correct me if I'm wrong, but do you think it would have made more sense if they had come in? And they've been like, you know, fuck all this Cindy Lauper pop crap. We like the Southern Rock. Yeah, that, that would have been a good way to run them. Right? Yeah, that and somehow get, get in trouble with Hulk Hogan. Mr. Who play, it, I play it, a guitar on the Statue of Liberty or whatever he does. Bass. Sorry, he was bass. A bass player Metallica, Quinn. Don't forget yeah, it. Remember that video where he's like playing bass. standing over America? Well, that's yeah. Hulk Hogan. That's Hulk Hogan in a nutshell, right. obviously. But don't you think that would have worked better? Position right. them as like, because they're... In a northern territory, and they're very, very southern. So what's interesting about that to me is like, okay, then, who did, who did, like, definitely Hulk Hogan, right? I feel like that's like, that makes sense, right, to feud with them, because he's kind of rock-ish. Who teams up with the Hulk to fight them? That's the only problem is there's no other faces that are very rocky and wrestly, right? Right. During that period of time. Unless you just put Andre. 
I guess, yeah. but because Wendy Richter was the other one, right? That was like the face representative. But obviously, she ain't fighting the Freebirds. I feel like the Freebirds. If you know, if you if you have Wendy doing the other half of the Rock, why didn't they get? Um, I don't. It seems like the Freebirds would hang out with Missy Hyatt or some stupid like that. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like just somebody of their region of, that's of, Southern. Hi, I'm Missy Hyatt. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I like rock and roll music. <laughs> Not this new wave crap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you know? But that's that's the angle they could have gone with, yeah. right? It really is. Do you think maybe it was just a failed experiment that perhaps shouldn't have happened? Because almost no one even thinks of the I don't even birds. think it's a failed experiment that shouldn't have happened. I think it should have happened. I think that it's a failed experiment that didn't go forward because Andre the Giant. Like... <laughs> I have, like, issues with just the fact that that probably happened. I'm not... Here's the thing is, it probably happened. That's the... You know what I mean? The fact that I can say that with somewhat confidence... Right. Do you really doubt that that happened? That these uh, notorious partiers showed up late for a show for some reason yeah. having to do with drinking or drugs or something. And, and Andre the Giant got mad and said yeah. they were fired. Because he's like the Don of the locker room, right? Yeah. I mean, you don't fuck with Andre. You better yeah. shake his fucking hand. But do you think long term? Because the Freebirds after this, they they went everywhere. These guys were literally everywhere, including New York. It's just the only place they didn't work out. They went to AWA. Right. They, they worked went, everywhere. <laughs> literally, they went to Crockett. They went to WCW. They had mm-hmm. Jimmy Garvin at one point. You know what I mean? Yeah, Jimmy Garvin was a good addition. By <laughs> the way, like he Jimmy makes Gar- a lot of sense. <laughs> it was fine. His hair alone <laughs> yes. makes a lot of sense. Like, it fits in with the Freebirds. He has right. the good hair for the Freebirds. Yeah. Michael Hayes and gorgeous Jimmy Garvin. Precious. How you doing, David? I gotta tell you something. Well, all three of us are real excited. Who cares? But the WWF is a place where they've really never got any traction. But let's say Andre doesn't fire them, mm-hmm. which is such a funny sentence. It's <laughs> real. <laughs> but let's, it's real, but maybe it's not. I'm not. Maybe Vince did the formal firing. Right. Like, <laughs> Andre just forewarned him. Yeah. But where do they really go? Do you think maybe they need to be healed? I think personally, they need to be healed to really work. Oh yeah, okay. but I, I do think they could have worked big time in the World Federation. You do, huh? Yeah, and I think that would have saved us from Doc too. <laughs> many years later, the look, the music association. Uh huh. They were young. Uh huh. They were different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it could have worked. Not Buddy Rogers. Or Buddy Roberts. He's as old as Buddy Rogers. <laughs> Same hair sometimes, yeah. too. But yeah, no, I agree with you, Quinn. I think... Welcome to Robert's Corner. <laughs> <laughs> he could have just replaced him, really. Yeah. It all would have worked Nobody out. Nobody would have noticed. No. Okay, well, I think that's a fair take, folks. The Freebirds are obviously well-regarded and everywhere else, pretty much, except the WWF. And that's why, Jonathan Vicento, this was a perfect pick. Right. Because literally, they worked out anywhere but new york they would have worked out in new york you again I, I still think it's just if that whole whatever that was if, happened if andre and, didn't fire them if andre was just out sick that day they, everything would have been okay passed out or yeah. something like that but folks let us know what you think let us know could the freebirds have worked out in the wwf if so how might that have played out would they have been faces would they have been heels how would it have worked or was it never gonna work let us know that on twitter at ovp podcast shoot us an email or join the group But Quinn, when we come back, we are on week number four now of the best WWF pay-per-views of all time. This is where the controversy is, Quinn. Mm -hmm. It is the the royal rankings of WWF pay-per-views, and that is coming up right after this.
The most important thing I want to say is, guys, this show really sucks. What? And what? aside what? from what? Sonny, the only two reasons why anybody watches this show, the rest of it is a scam and it sucks. And you know why? It starts right here with you, Michael Hayes. You see, this is not Doc Hendricks' kids at home. This is Michael P.S. Hayes. He used to be a legend in, in professional wrestling, the fabulous Freebirds, one of my idols growing up as a kid, Michael Hayes. What happened, Michael? You become now this, this walking billboard for the World Wrestling. Federation, you become this cartoon character. Please tell me what, what what's going on. Let me explain something to you, real simple. I'm Doc Hendricks, a World Wrestling Federation broadcaster. As far as you or any other journalist, you would not want to run into Michael well, you know, P.S. You know, hey, 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 there's really no reason. I ain't got nowhere to, to go back here. We understand each Michael, other. Michael, Doc, whatever you call yourself. We all say how busy we are. There aren't enough hours in a day. We just need a break from the constant madness that plagues our lives. I've got great news for you. This is Micro Break, a podcast for humans with the attention span of a goldfish, where I share my thoughts, wisdom, and humor on a wide range of topics, including the 80s, 90s, current affairs, and more. Do you deserve a break today? Of course you do. Take a micro break from the madness with me. And now back to your romp through the world of retro wrestling. O-V-P. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thanks for being with us here, episode 247, Monday, November the 15th, 2021. How you doing there, Michael? Hi. Just got back from Bad Street, USA. Yeah, the Bad Street. It's very bad. It's the baddest. But I'll tell you what's good. If you like us and you want to support us, we got stuff for you, and that's over at Patreon, patreon.com slash OVP podcast. This is a quick plug here. We're not begging for your money. We're not trying to get rich, and we don't want to rip you off. All we're saying is if you like us and you want to hear more OVP, patreon.com slash OVP podcast, you're going to get two separate shows over there. Weekly, every single Friday is the 1984 Canon. That is $2 a month. The Canon Quinn is where you and I watch every episode of WWF Championship Wrestling going all the way back to January of 82. Right now, we're in May of 84. It's, it's progressed a lot. The Rock and Wrestling connection is beginning. It's connecting. And we hit the with the AOL join button or that's whatever. That's it. We joined the... <laughs> You've got Canon. Yeah, and exactly. You, you can have Canon as well. For just two bucks a month, you get every week, every Friday it comes out, video form or audio only if you just like to listen. It's just us watching the show, BSing around. It's really fun. I have fun. Right. Do you have fun? I do have fun. Okay, then we have fun. And it's only an hour. It won't kill, you know, your other podcast listening time. It's one hour every single Friday. Also, if you like the WWF pay-per-views, and a lot of you do, you can listen to us review each and every one of them going back all the way to the first WrestleMania. Yeah. Now, this will absolutely kill your podcast listening yes. time. Yes. And that's why they come out once a month. Right. These are very long. They're like three and a half hours or so, usually. Out right now is WrestleMania 10. So you've got everything between WrestleMania's 1 and 10. Like we said, these are long. They're comprehensive. They're also a lot of fun. The same style that we do on this show here. And that's on the $5 tier, and it includes the 84 Canon. The point is, if you like us and you want more, give it a shot. My suggestion, if you want to take me up on it, try it out for the rest of November. All right? You got half the month left. Try it out. Listen to a pay-per-view review or two. Try out the Canon. If you don't like it, just cancel by November 30th. No hard feelings. We won't be upset. At least you'll have tried. It's better to try than to not try at all. Huh? Patreon.com slash OVP podcast. All right, Quinn. All right. This is serious now. It's very serious. People got very upset. 
you last know what, time we did this. I like the spirited debate that went on about yeah. the Royal Rankings a couple of weeks ago. I wouldn't ago. say upset as much as very debatey. Animated. This is now the most controversial list in all wrestling, I think. Good. I think we, we can claim it, right? I'm claiming it. Now, what is the Royal Rankings and Royal Flush, folks? Well, each season before the season starts, and by the way, very soon we'll be voting for next season's. We ask you, the fans, to give us a list of your top 10 of something and your bottom 10 of something. In this case, it was WWF pay-per-views, right? So then we take all of your votes and we put them into two separate tanks, one for the best, one for the worst. And then we add up all those votes, we rank them, right? We pull out two names at a time, and by the end of the season, you are going to have the definitive certified organic non-GMO USDA certified organic baptized. Don't forget baptized. Yep, it's important. And healthy. Best and worst WWF pay-per-views of all time. This is a rankings week, which means the best. There are six names on the board here, Quinn. Mm -hmm. This is where it begins to get not only hot and heavy, but also hairy. Knit and grit. Yeah, knit and grit start coming in in week four. So at number one. It's good. Great show. WrestleMania X7 with a stupid name. Fantastic show. Yep. Number two. X7 is fine, by the way. Number Also number one in my book, but number two on paper is WrestleMania 3. Right. Number three, Royal Rumble 92. Number four, WrestleMania 6. Number five, the Canadian Stampede. Canada Stampede. <laughs> the Canada Stampede. You know, my family's here. You know, it was a really good show because we're cowboys. And number six, SummerSlam 91. Now, that's that's the six on the board right now, right? Two more come out this week, Quinn. Yep. But before they do, we got to just talk about this here. What makes a great pay-per-view, in your opinion? Memorable. Good matches. Good pacing. Like the car- We're talking card structure here, card right? Card structure. Yeah, it's important. It is. It is very important. The ending of the pay-per-view should be considered important, and the implication of the ending- it's a, That's very representative of this list, I mm. think. The ending uh, has to be great. But all bitterness aside, a hot main event, quick, yeah. a main event that you really want to see. Right. Or maybe several matches that you really want to see, and they deliver, right? Yeah, just like the number one on this list. Just like the number two on this list, right. Yeah. Like, it's something that fulfills you. It doesn't kill the business 20 years from now. So, with that said, though, we're just jibing at each other. But really, the criteria is you get your money's worth. It's a good show. Like Quinn said, the card structure, it flows. It's entertaining. You don't feel ripped off or that you wasted your time. Right. Doesn't just mean all the matches are really good, but a good pay-per-view will have good matches. Right. That's, that's inevitable. You know what I mean? I agree with these so, things. Yeah, we have to agree on that. So without any further ado, we've run down the six on the board. That means, Quinn, it is time to go to Howard Finkel for the Royal Rankings. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Rankings. of WWF pay-per-views week number four Michael Quinn week number four like you said nitty and gritty nit and grit 
Hot and heavy? Yeah, all the things. Harry. This is everything. This is very serious, folks, and we want you to give us your opinion of all this. Do it on Facebook. Two weeks ago, everyone was, and it everyone, was great. Every, everyone had an opinion. We liked it, though. Yeah. And Some know, people were like, you know, those two shows, they suck compared to WrestleMania <laughs> 6. <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> so they didn't even like either of them. That was great, too. We welcome all your opinions. We're not going to get mad at you for your opinions. That's stupid. No. About wrestling? Are you kidding me? Only mad at each other about them, Quinn. And... and- <laughs> Anyway, so we've run down the six on the board. We've talked about what makes a good pay-per-view. In my mind, Quinn, it's ready. Bring it down to the fans. Let them count it in. All right, right? fans. Count us down. Let's all find out which WWF pay-per-view drew number seven. ECW One Night Stand 05. WWF pay-per-view. It is. It is officially. Yeah, so this show, for clarification purposes, WWE put this show on. Yeah, this is a WWE pay-per-view. Yeah, this was not. It's called ECW One Night Stand. In fact, it's such a rare thing. And I think that this is such an anomaly among pay-per-views, right? Because this was WWF saying, there's no WWF on this. Yeah, like they, really they were like, much. this is not a WWE show, right. but we're funding it anyway. Like, and I think it's awesome of them. Yeah. I, I really do. So, ECW One Night Stand 2005 is well-regarded. Quinn and I both love this show. This is a great show. Yeah. This, uh, this is, I would say, the most unique pay-per-view the WWE, WWF in their history ever put on. It's one of the, if not the, yeah. Yeah. Very brief background here, because I know you guys know most of this stuff. But Who's EC- ECW? <laughs> like, why well, would they have a pay-per-view? Well, it started as a tri-state wrestling alliance, yeah. so I Joel Goodhart. No, but in all seriousness, ECW, obviously, 1993 to 2001 uh, was Eastern and then Extreme Championship Wrestling. Made their name in 94 to around 99, 8, 99-ish, right? We but, actually reviewed a great episode from 97 last right. week. But I think, for the background of this pay-per-view, it's important yes. to embellish on what did happen at the end. Right, because this is why this was people wanted to see this. Yeah. Well, the end of ECW was right around the time of the end of WCW, was it not? Yes, they kind of ended at the same time. Paul Heyman kind of cemented that by showing up on Raw right mm-hmm. before WrestleMania 17. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, oh, I guess ECW is not a thing anymore, right? But they had had their problems with TNN, and they had definitely had their financial problems, right? Right, and Paul's described something something to do with it. They had to pay. They The, the contract they had with TNN is that they had to pay to put the show on TV, yeah. but they couldn't get the money because TNN was sucking up the money. To It was like a, a circular problem. Yeah, right? circular logic, right? Yeah, pay to get the show, but then if you got the merchandise out, that merchandise would go back to paying for the, and they would never have made any money at all. It was it was collapsing rapidly, right? Yeah. So Vince McMahon bought up everything ECW related. WCW too. But and WCW, he, right? He, he went on a buying spree right around that time. I, Vince McMahon, bought my competition. And part of the impetus here, Quinn, is that WWF, because they owned every piece of footage of ECW at this point, right. they... This is in the earlier days of them releasing these documentary DVDs. Yep. They did one called The Rise of Fall on ECW in 2004. One of their earliest ones yep. and one of their best ones they ever yep. made. And this pay-per-view felt like the second part of that documentary. It was right. like, because that thing, if I recall, that was in the days where DVDs were selling really well. Regardless, wrestling really well. Or, or any movies, DVDs were a big, big, big thing. And this DVD was very, very successful for the WWE. Like, it was. More so than anything they had put out 
was a big during one. that all those DVDs, right? Y- yep, and it, and it gave people a yearning for ECW again, a nostalgia for it, even mm-hmm. though it had only been a few years, right? Especially because the DVD kind of ends in this sad note that they just and they went out of business. Bye. And Paul might have <laughs> stole all the money or something. <laughs> yeah. We're not sure. We don't know. Yeah. So guess what? June twelfth, two thousand five, WWE is going to produce ECW One Night Stand. So named because initially it was going to be a one night reunion of sorts of a lot of the ECW guys, yeah, right? And and during this time too, I believe there was some other ECW reunion shows. Am I wrong? There or was. Did, they, did it come after this or hardcore reunion. something? Hardcore reunion. That one was put together by Shane Douglas, ind- right? Independent of this, there was some. There was a wave of ECW nostalgia because it had been about four to five years after. It had ended, so yeah. people were, like, missing it. Yeah, they were. Uh, so this is June 12, 2005, and it is from the Hammerstein Ballroom, which is in the Manhattan Center. It is not the grand ballroom where Raw used to be. It is where ECW ran a lot of shows in the 90s. Yeah, I think it's either the one above it or below it. I, I don't forget. know. It's, it's yeah. on the other floor. Yeah. Was Harley Race, did he cut you in line in front of the Hammerstein I don't, era? I don't remember if it was the Hammerstein or not, or the grand. I, I don't remember. Where did Kevin Steen run into you? That was like in Edison or something. Oh, that wasn't yeah, even yeah, in New was, York. That, no, that definitely was not in New York. <laughs> anyway, Quinn's injuries at uh, ROH notwithstanding, we normally would start with the main event and work backwards, but because this was actually, this isn't like that type of show. No, you know so what I the mean? whole point of this show, you have to understand, is that, whoa, we got all these people from ECW to show up for one night and come on the show, and that's cool. Correct, right? yes. So we're just going to work the card in order. Yeah. But I will say the atmosphere here is awesome in the Hammerstein it Ballroom. It is unbelievable. It is ECW. Like, it feels like ECW they even, again. They even have, like, the Cryon and stuff. Chiron, like, yes. Yeah, everything is there. Yes. Like, they got Joey Styles. That's the biggest thing. They have Joey Styles, who was yet to be the WWF announcer. That didn't happen until later right. when, he, when he worked for them. Did and they have Taz with him? Mick Foley. Mick Foley. Who's excellent. Yeah. He really is. Let's just run down the matches here, and they're all involving ECW guys for the most part. If they they might have been there at some point, at some point, yeah, because right. you might be like, "Hey, these are WF guys. Like, what the hell are you talking right. about, Joe and Quinn?" But let's go. So Lance Storm with Don Marie, by the way. Well, he was with Don Marie so back good. then. Yeah, so good. Defeated Chris Jericho, who you might say Chris Jericho. Yeah, he was in ECW. So what's interesting. Is Chris Jericho used to be Lance Storm's tag team partner? Yep. So this the was kind of seekers. like the, a battle of the thrill seekers here, right? Now, this apparently Chris Candido was supposed to be there instead yep. of Chris Jericho, and it was supposed to be those two fighting. Yeah. But uh, Chris Candido had passed away right, right before, before this. Yeah, yeah, about a month and a half before. Man, imagine that if him and Sonny were there or him and Tammy. I think that's what they were going for because Dawn Marie's there, right? Well, and that, yeah, she yeah. was Tammy Lynn bitch and they had the feud yeah, in 98. So I think that's what they were. Unfortunately, they had to scrap that. It is sad. But it's a good opener because obviously it's two pros. Right? I mean, I Lance, I like Lance Storm. He's not amazing, but I like him. Yeah. And Jericho was really good still in 2005. Yep. And it's a nice little opener. Good way to set the tone. And I got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it's a crappy way match. to win your last Lance match. Storm! Then we get into more of the silly stuff here, but good silly, right? Yeah. Super crazy. Yep. <laughs> Super crazy, like. who, you know, one of the luchadors of the ECW era. Yep. There. And you might have known him. You might have seen him as Super Loco. He was other names before he this. Was. Yes. He defeated Little Guido. Remember him? Right. Of course. Yeah, a Little Guido, part of the FBI. And by the way, the whole FBI decided to uh, 
show up, including Tracy Smothers, yep. Tony Mamaluke, JT Smith, Big Guido, all them, they're all there. Yep. And this one is, this is uh, in ECW parlance, this is called a three-way dance because right. Super Crazy defeated not only Little Guido, but also Tajiri, who, who I, showed up with Mikey, yep. who was one of his tag partner back in the day, and Sinister Minister. Sinister Minister. Remember him? Of course yeah. I remember. Yeah. James Vandenberg, yeah. man. <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> of the Mortis Cannon. Yeah, of Mortis Cannon. <laughs> yeah. And that's, again, fun. It's short. It's like six minutes. Fun. Everything on here is fun. Mm -hmm. Then in another Luchador match here. I like this match. Me this too. is one of the. Now it's getting really good. Rey Mysterio, who. Made his North American mark first in ECW. Right. So, again, ECW person, technically. He was there before he was in WCW. He actually was. Defeated, and I don't think, and if he was, it was brief, but I don't think the guy he defeated, Psychosis, was in ECW. Psychosis? He had he had made appearances in ECW. Just appearances, though, right? Like, he wasn't an ECW guy. Ray Mysterio in ECW. I believe that. Yeah. Because, again, these were two guys that... We're in ECW for a short time, and then they, you know, immediately got poached by Eric Bischoff. You know what? You're right. He yeah. was there the same time Ray was yes. in late '95. It's, it's, You're yeah, absolutely it's, right. It's totally real. So again, a reunion type of match, right? right? Six one nine, and he's got three minutes on nights and weekends. Number four here, now we're talking about a real ECW guy. Yeah. Like name value ECW, yeah. Sabu. Yep. And with him, I love it, Bill Alfonso. Of course. And, and, and Sabu's consummate <laughs> tag team partner, Rob Van Dam. <laughs> yeah. I remember that Sabu versus Rhino, like this was like real ECW shit, right? It is, because yeah. Rhino had made his mark in ECW, and WWF signed him. Right. He was in WWF well, for a while. Also, the other thing I remember about this, Joe, was that. The rumor had it at the time that Vince saw Sabu here in this match, and he was enamored with him. He wanted he he was trying to get him like, all of a sudden. All that he was <laughs> right? like, "Wow, Sabu, pal!" Like, <laughs> like, like that was like, too I remember late. the rumor mill just going like like had Vince just not known if Sabu was like in the WWE. He was briefly. there briefly, yeah, yeah, at that like ECW. Right? How did he not know who he was? Like, it was just this funny rumor that developed out of this that like Sabu now was like in hot demand by Vince McMahon. Would it surprise you? Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. This is actually a pretty good match. Sabu wasn't too botchy in this one if I recall correctly. Mm -hmm. And again, short. Six-ish minutes. Nothing was long on this. That's what's great about it. This show is just like get to see your guy. It was really about the entrances if I recall because it was the entrances and the fans really getting to soak up this whole like okay this is the last time you're gonna get to see all the this was as far a real, as they like, knew this was supposed to be the farewell yeah in a so lot of ways everyone did their entrances I feel like that was most of it the matches were like they're, they're, they're just were nothing. there yeah they, they were just there <laughs> their utility yeah the next one is a battle of two guys that did make a mark in ECW mm -hmm. and in WCW had matches with each other Chris Voldemort, the Chris first Voldemort one. defeated Eddie. He was actually, believe it or not, he spent some time in the ECW before he was in WCW. I remember they they were they pushed him a lot in ECW. Is that not where he got his nickname? Right? Yeah, definitely. They, with the hands and yep. all that was ninety four, ninety five. You know? Then mm -hmm. he went to WCW. Eddie, after not that. so much. We had the mustachioed version in ECW. The fluffy. Fluffy, yeah. I mean, the fluffy mustachio. Yeah. <laughs> and that was also, again, right before WCW, Eddie was in right. ECW. So they have one for old time's sake. Again, it's good. You know, yeah, it's that's a, a good match. Good little match. Voldemort won. Right. Then we have 
the match of the night, Michael Quinn. Absolutely, <laughs> which which was surprising because you would think going into this card, the advertised match of the night would definitely probably be Chris Voldemort versus Eddie Guerrero, right? right? Like that should be the marquee. Right, that should be the best wrestled match, right? right? And they do give it time, but there's this little match that I don't even like think I expected anything out of this, right? So Mike Awesome comes out to fight Masato Tanaka. Now, mind you, <laughs> I remember watching these matches. I, I caught a f- couple of them back in the day and I remember them being real physical. In 99. And, yeah, 99 and being like, man, these two really kicked the shit out of each other, right? Yep. But I didn't expect it to kind of happen again because Mike Awesome had been in like WCW and like yeah. that seventies guy, 70s and all, guy and like all he that kind shit. of he like lost his luster and there was this whole thing where he like stole the ECW title and they had to like get Taz to come back for from WWE <laughs> to beat him and all <laughs> when that. Awesome was in WCW yeah like there yeah. was this whole like thing and I thought there's no way on something that especially that Paul's involved with that Mike Awesome is ever working there ever again and if you recall Joey Styles and I don't think he's kidding remember he's like so pissy on yeah, commentary yeah calling him a Judas that and all this. Judas over there oh my yeah. god you so know? Joey when he comes out Mike Awesome comes out he makes like a whole fucking big scene he was making good money not a millionaire six figures I'll tell you more about it in a minute. I'm, I getting, mean, I'm getting pissed. I sense you don't like Mr. Awesome. No, you know something? I risk being put in a hospital to take a swing at that piece of crap. And that's a reference to when Awesome literally jumped to WCW while ECW champion. Which is something that could only happen in ECW in the land of no contracts. <laughs> but and, anyway. And Masato Tanaka, for the record, in case anyone doesn't know, he was the ECW champion at one point. He's also spent time in FMW. Yeah. legit solid talent he's also the toughest man i've Fuck. ever seen jeez he had like scars on his chest like always and he remember he was like always taped up and possibly yep. bleeding i love him yeah so they have this hell of a match they're going through ta- there's a point where they go through a table and it's like one of these old it's clearly like not gimmicked right or something and like the plastic shit around it like cuts somebody on the, on yeah, the back yeah, i remember like, that it's like whoa and th- th- these two just beat the ever-loving shit out of each other And Mike Awesome wins, and I just remember his music blaring through the arena, license, like, how did I, how did I, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, what that a match, match is fucking awesome. Fucking awesome, man. Yeah, and like, the funniest part about all of that was that I'm pretty sure even Joey was like weirdly impressed that every, I think everyone's like jaw dropped because it, it felt like Awesome had something to prove or something like, because he was the Judas, right? And he was like 40. It wasn't yeah. like he was a very young man anymore. But holy shit, did he like wake a lot of people up to him? And I was, you know, after that match, I was like, he's coming to WWE, right? right. I mean, that that was too fucking good. He was like, great there. That's the best I'd ever seen him in his whole career. Same. Right? I was like insane. I always liked him too. Yeah. In ECW and stuff. I always liked Mike Awesome. I knew they would never be able to get Masato Tanaka because that guy's just a... He, goes, <laughs> he, he's, he travels the earth. Like, Vagrant. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, even Meltzer gave this shit four and a quarter. It was, I mean, it was great. It was good. just a great match. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to say. It's just go watch it now. Yep. Like, because it's amazing. And then in the uh, final match of the evening, a very ECW match. I give, I applaud him for this, this one. This was totally the the, um, the fan service. This was the fan service, right? The love letter to the fans yeah. match here. Because you have your biggest team in mm-hmm. ECW history. 100%. 
the Dudleys, obviously Bubba and Devon, who mm-hmm. they were ECW guys. They just WWF scooped them up, obviously yeah. in '99, but they were an ECW team. They defeated the other two. Like these guys were ECW to the core. But yeah, these from were people the beginning. to the begin from the beginning to the end. Yeah, because Sandman came back. That's what they represented. Yeah, like that's what Dreamer and Sandman represented. Like yep. ECW, the real deal. Yep, Tommy Dreamer. We even talked about him last week. You know, his whole arc where he started off with like the suspenders and all like, hi! And everyone hated him. And Sam like, you suck, <laughs> you baby or whatever. And then Sandman started like a surfer in the wetsuit <laughs> that <laughs> gradually lost his mind. Yeah, and both of them just <laughs> developed into these long-term characters, yep. right? They represented ECW. Right. And uh, the Dudleys won, by the way, but it doesn't matter who won. None you of know? it mattered None because it. the Sandman's entrance was fucking awesome. Yep. Do you remember that shit? Vince wanted him after this, and he got him, remember? Oh, yeah. No, Vince Vince saw that entrance, and he went goo-goo about it. I've never seen a man drink beer before. I swear there's people that got signed because I don't really think Vince was actually watching ECW all these years. Vince didn't watch anything. Clint. Yeah. So I don't know, but there was people that Vince, he was like, whoa, this is good. Like, you know, what I, like, how did he like this? It's amazing to me. When you are running a company such as WWF, I think you just don't have time to yeah, pay attention. Back in those days, Joe, they, they, you know, they ran Raw on Monday and a pay-per-view on a Sunday. And, and that's not it, all there is to it. I understand that. But Vince had time to see what the competition was up to in his lavish office in Titan Towers. I think people just had to supply him with info. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, this is such a great show. Yeah. This is seriously an awesome... By the way, Beulah was with Tommy Dreamer. Right. I need to mention that. Which, again, she hadn't been seen for years. I know. I like Beulah. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Anyway, I am not surprised that this made it. I do think that there's going to be a segment of our audience that could give fuck all about this. Mm -hmm. And I understand that. That's okay. I totally get it. If you never watched ECW or if you're one of those fuck everything after 1990, whatever people. Yeah. Right, Tony? Uh, (laughs) That's cool. But objectively, this is a very entertaining, very fun show. And we didn't even get into some of the, some of the other things. Like we just listed the match. Yes. But like, there's other things. There's, like during all these, like in the in the last match, I see that like the BWO came out and oh, good call. Like, and then all, JBL is involved at some point. All these people, like they really loaded the show up with guests. Like Spike Dudley came back to join his Dudley brethren. Steve Austin's there. Yeah, it, it's it, real. It's real. Like this show had it all. This show was one hundred percent. We know you like ECW. And so, here it all is, right? Here it all is, yeah. Uh, yeah, Taz showed up. The impact, but like Justin Credible, I think, is yeah. there at one point. Like I mean, a lot of people. Everyone just kind of came out of the woodwork. So we're sorry if we missed any. Uh, yeah. We were just listening to matches, but there, we, we know there was like all these guest appearances throughout the night. Absolutely. Also, Joel Gertner is there. Remember, he's mm-hmm. like an interviewer or something. It's so good. Like, it's they, really good. Like literally like everything they could have done with the people they got. They took everything they had. If they couldn't fit them in a match, they were on the damn show yep. somewhere. And even the referees, John Finnegan and your favorite Paul Jim Molyneux. Mo- <laughs> Molecule. Yeah, he's there. <laughs> Jim Molyneux, yes. Yeah. Uh, so, man, it's a really entertaining show. I understand it's not everyone's favorite flavor of wrestling. No. But we will see where it ranks and we'll be as fair as possible about it. But with that said, folks, I think we've said our piece on ECW One Night Stand. 
That must mean Quinn it's time to have the fans count us down. Let's all find out who drew. Number eight. The wait, the anticipation is over. Now it's time to feel the heat. I've got one question for you, Quinn. Are you ready to feel the heat? I'm ready. This is a great pay-per-view. SummerSlam 89 is, in my opinion, the quintessential WWF pay-per-view of the late 80s, man. Oh, yeah. This is this this is the latest of 80s. Like, you, <laughs> I uh, love uh, this uh, show. Peak, peak golden. Like, Seriously. Yeah. The roster is insanely colorful and fun in 1989. And what a good show. SummerSlam 89, August 28th, 1989. Most famously from our neck of the woods, the Meadowlands, the Brendan Byrne oh, Arena. Great. <laughs> East Rutherford, New yeah. Jersey. 20,000 fans strong for this sellout crowd. Uh-huh. 89 is 89 is like their 98 of they, the 80s. They fit it all in the parking lot of Xanadu. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Parking lot of Xanadu. <laughs> so SummerSlam 89, folks, is a beloved show for fans of the WWF Golden Era. I am not surprised it made it. I'm very glad it made it, actually. And I suppose for this one, we should just work backwards with the main event because that's pretty easy to do. Sure. Okay. So the main event here is Hulk Hogan, world Mm -hmm. champion. Right. Still very much Hulk Hogan in 89. Teaming up with his crony, (laughs) Brutus Beefcake. Can I lick your butt, Hulk? This is peak butt kissing beefcake. Absolutely. Butt kissing beefcake. Oh, my God. So this match, they're fighting Randy Savage and Zeus. Yes, with with Sherry. With Sherry, which great. Fantastic. But the funny part to me always about this match is that this match always feels like a continuation of the last year, which was a little bit better. Agreed. Yeah. So, yeah, let me let me address that real quick. So SummerSlam, the first one, this one and 91 were all built around tag attractions. I'm guessing the reason is because you don't want to sacrifice what your house show main feud is right. for a paper. That's just what they were doing at that time. So, so they just bunch up a bunch of stars with Hulk and they say, oh, you don't see they these guys fighting tag matches. Right. Like, you don't see Zeus wrestle. Yeah. Right. So, so so that's the that's the draw. Yes. So it's Hogan and Beefcake versus Savage and Zeus. Now, Zeus obviously was born out of that great movie, No Holds Barred. A fantastic movie. Dookie, Tremendous. All of those iconic lines. <laughs> Dookie. And Zeus doesn't like Hulk Hogan. Right. He also doesn't like Beefcake Barber, but like Beefcake yeah. Barber is just in the now, way. Is the movie like kayfabe? Like is, no, it's real, Quinn. Is, is like, well, didn't they say something like Zeus on the set was mad? Yeah, he was pissed. Like when they were wrestling in the last match on the movie, like that was real or and something. And also like he wanted to be the star or something. Yeah. So I, like, I actually like the way they wove that in. <laughs> but stupid. What's even better is like also Savage is there to like carry the rest of the load because well, Savage is still fucking <laughs> right. pissed about WrestleMania. He's just like perpetually hates Hulk Hogan anyway. But now, additionally now, Sherry's a, a witch or something. Yeah, she's she, a witch now. She's got magic. Yes. She's got a cauldron. No, it's real. And she's got a sparkly dress and a... Like this weird ponytail very thing. Very long like, ponytail. It, it, which is very suspiciously long, I guess. Very. The, and there's a barber guy on the other team, and yeah, we're, not, we're not sure about that. Notice the barber beefcake with your scissors. They couldn't cut hot butter. No, no they can't. Oh, no. Ah! Hulk Hogan beefcake barber! Say your prayers on your hands and knees to yoga! And Hogan and Buffcake here, they have uh, Miss Elizabeth, which I've said this before. Anytime Liz <laughs> is with Hogan without Savage being involved, it makes me very uncomfortable. It, it's not it just, okay. It feels wrong, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. It's very wrong. But that's a hot main event because 
it's an attraction, right? right. It, it match, whatever. But let's work now to the beginning. So in the dark match, which doesn't count, but I'm I'm sure you're glad that this guy was in the I dark am match. Overjoyed that they made the decision to put this guy in the dark match because I'm glad I didn't have to see it. Dino Bravo, good Matt, Matt Majette. exactly <laughs> where he belongs. Dark match. He defeated Coco Beware, and yeah. I can't believe that match was almost ten minutes, but it was. Well, the, the everyone's walking in, getting their popcorn and stuff. You got to go on it's the true. turnpike and all this stuff. It's a and pain in the balls. It, 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 it that takes, arena stinks, by yeah, the way. It stunk. I went there as a kid. <laughs> yeah, so funny. My it's dad not- would always be like, "Ugh, we gotta like get in the car and wait." And all. you get you get at that exit like three or whatever it is, and you're not like, three? Is it? Is it? It's like one of the last ones, it's like right? Sixteen. Oh, I thought it was lower on the list. Not uh no, it's like three is cherry. Sorry, hill. I'm thinking the opposite. Either way, it's thinking a route three. Route three. That's, that's what you're so you get down of. the exit to get on route three, and there's always a fucking line like of cars. Yeah, it's horrible because it's just like everyone's going to the thing, and that arena is a lifeless dump. Yeah. Like if you're sitting in it, you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. there's no acoustic. It's it's very weird. The concessions stink. Yeah, <laughs> but on TV it sounds and looks. It looks good. Sup- like, I always swore, I'm like, why does this look so right. good? It's like tiny when you're in it. It like, sucks when yeah, you're in it. Yeah, it stinks when you're in it. But on television, it looks awesome. It looks bigger than it is. <laughs> right. I also saw um, the Bischoff Raw, where he debuted. Yeah. That was there. And I remember sitting there, I'm like, this looks. This isn't going to look like Raw when it's on TV. This yeah. looks terrible. Yeah. And then I watched, like, the, <laughs> you I think I taped the, it or something. T- you watched the tape back, and you're like, oh, wow. It looks like Raw. Yeah. It looks awesome. So it's anyway, just a weird arena. Very weird. Let's run down the matches here. So the opener is excellent. Mm-hmm. The Brain Busters, Tully and Arn, who had surprisingly won the tag titles in July, May? Yeah, I this can't is remember. super weird. So the tag titles aren't even on the line, right? That's right, because it was signed before the Busters won the titles. Right. And they defeat in a very good old school match that a lot of people love. Brett and Jim, the Hart Foundation, right? Mm-hmm. Excellent, excellent Great opening match. match. Absolutely wonderful match. Then we get our fun shit, and this is fun. Dusty Rhodes, who is very new. Yeah. And if you recall... Didn't he have, like, a black hat and, like, all this, like, he looks weird? He had the boss man's nightstick and cuffs, but he also had a cop hat that boss man the never cop wore. cop hat. Okay, yeah. he's got the cop hat yes. at this point. Yeah. Yes. So he This just, was weird. I know. And it... Yeah, this is odd. So he defeats the honky-tonk man in a very silly, fun little match. A year removed from his infamous loss. Yep. Very sad. But I like it. It's fun. Uh-huh. Man, Silla, we come out to Lisa Marie. I got a concert to do. A lot of people are here to see me, see me sing. So somebody help me find a stage. The next one was actually cut short due to a legit injury by Terry Taylor. It is Mr. Perfect, who obviously coined the year before at WrestleFest. They had a Mr. Perfect match, right. and now he's Mr. Perfect with, he, with Red Rooster. He won the gimmick from him, right? Right. And, <laughs> and, I mean, it could have been really bad. I mean, imagine if Kurt Henning had to be the Red Rooster. Is he defending the Mr. Perfect gimmick tonight against Red Rooster? I don't know Rooster? if it's a defense. <laughs> I don't think it's a defense here. He's not putting it on the line? No, not not on this one. Well, either way, it didn't matter because Perfect quickly defeated the Rooster in about three minutes. But Good. again, <laughs> Good. I think... Red Rooster stinks. Like, Good. I'm sorry. Well, wait. Hang on. Red Rooster stinks or Terry Taylor? All of it stinks. <laughs> Both of them. But what about the people that say that Terry Taylor is so good? And I don't know what they're talking about. Go watch the tapes. He's not good. He's no good. He's he's like another, like, you know, Joe, he's like IRS where it's like, oh, he's good in the ring. That's code for boring. Like, <laughs> that's code for I don't want to watch this. They would always do that. They you did. know they would. They did. So anyway, Perfect defeats the Rooster with the uh, Perfect Plex. <laughs> then we move on to our first of two Excellent six-mans. And if you 
slept on this match. I totally understand because I did for the longest time. I love this match back then. You know that. Oh, yeah. The newly heel Rick Martel. Mm-hmm. I am a model, maybe. I don't know. I still have Slick. Teams up with the insane 89 version of the Rujos. The ones that are like, they think they're American. It's amazing. <laughs> Ray Mullet is growing and growing. Mullet right? edition. And My hair is growing. I'm not going to cut it. And Jacques <laughs> is just <laughs> over the fucking top at this point. <laughs> About everything. <laughs> ah, you hurted me. Like, you know how he is. The yelling. Remember all the Because we've reviewed this and it's, it was one of the best reviews like in terms of watching it. The yelling abdominal stretch during that period he's, of time. He's absurd. <laughs> He really, really <laughs> ramped. The best thing that ever happened to the Fabulous Rougeos was turning heel. It is. It's, it's, they're so good at it. They're incredible yeah. at it. And Rick Martell is awesome here too. Yeah. So they defeat another really good team, Tito Santana. Who's endlessly mad at Rick Martell, but this is recent. Yeah, 89. Yeah, this is like right after. And the Rockers who were feuding with the Rougeos. Right. All six guys can work. Mm-hmm. Everyone does. It's like 15 minutes. They it's- have this 15-minute match where it feels very competitive. Yes. And I remember all the guys at the end are like dripping. Like they're like, like they look like they had a really tough match. A grueling match, Yeah, right? and then I, the heels squeak one out. And it's it's just one of those where they get a quick win kind of at the end. And I, I don't know. Yeah, I just yeah. remember really liking it. The roller! Oh, Martel delivering a bolt. Martel covering. He's got the right man. Excellent, yeah, excellent, fun match, and then the next one. Ah, this Joe, this I know you love it. I okay, just background. I if you go back to the pay review, this is a five star match to me. I'm not kidding. Available on our archives and the archives. Now we should also mention that earlier in the show, there's a promo mm-hmm. where uh, we throw to Mean Gene, who was with Rick Rude, Intercontinental right. Champion, and Bobby Heenan. Now, mind you, remember Rick Rude had very much stolen the title. Yep. Thanks to Bobby the Brain at uh, WrestleMania 5. That's right. So as the interview with Gene starts, gentlemen, as you know, fuck it. Yeah. Gentlemen, as you know, the ultimate warrior. Fuck it. So the ultimate warrior is pissed because he's only lost one match ever. And he didn't really lose. Like right. he, Bobby Heenan interfered, held he, his leg. It was yeah. a whole thing, right, at WrestleMania. I mean, technically, he didn't even lose because his feet were under the ropes. Good so point, because like ex- Bobby's holding it. He, like, extra didn't lose. He really like, didn't lose, right? Yeah. And Rude is a big, obnoxious, best heel ever phase. Right? And now, like, now he's acting like he's better than the ultimate. Like, he, right. be, oh, I beat him. Uh, why, why do I got to fight him again, right? Yep. <laughs> and the new co-host of Primetime Wrestling, Roddy Piper. Right. So there's this whole background before this match even primetime canon. This is the rare. This is the rare moment when prime the stuff that's happening on primetime affects a pay per view, and it's really good. Yeah. So Piper's the new co-host because Bobby had gone on and do the Bobby Heenan show, right? right? But then that got canceled in real life. So then Bobby had to come Bobby back, comes back, like groveling for yeah. his job, and Piper's over in Studio B. Yeah, well, or vice there, versa. There was like a fight at first yeah. for who was going to get Studio B, and eventually Piper went to Studio B. Yeah, sometimes it, it flipped, right? Yeah. So the whole show is Piper being like, oh, shut up, boobs, yeah. and all that, like every week. And, <laughs> and it's Gorilla, And Gorilla like laying it on thick to Bobby, like really like just cheering on Piper to like just yeah, shit on Yeah, you're right, Ron. <laughs> yeah, like always, like he's always sides with Piper, even if he's wrong, it doesn't matter. Brain, you're a piece of garbage, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you tell him, girl, and yeah. all that shit. <laughs> it's amazing because Gorilla and Piper just tag teaming on Bobby like, so for an hour and a half every week. Boobs. 
you see, there's no reason I should have to put up the Intercontinental title. Oh, no, I don't I feel don't. war. <laughs> Mom, so I suggest you get rid of that piece of trash while I'm speaking. Oh, excuse me, that's true, because it wouldn't go around you, would it? It's only about 40 feet by 40 feet. And in the midst of that, at some point, Piper's like, you know, I don't like that Ricky Rude, right? Yeah. And then this turns into a Rude Piper confrontation. So, yeah, there was this whole episode where Piper's in, in Studio B and, like, literally Rick Rude comes from behind in the studio yep. and Bobby's laughing on the in the other studio as Rude beats the utter shit Wait, out of him. I don't. Th- I think Gorilla and Bobby both try to break it up, remember? Maybe. They're both like, let's go, and they, and they run over to the other studio, Yeah, I but think. Bobby planned it. It was premeditated. Well, Bobby planned it, yeah, yeah, but they still try to break it. That man runs his mouth and he's Who got nothing. To come over here? Nobody he's got nothing. Come over I'm here. the Intercontinental Champion. I deserve respect from you and I deserve respect from Rowdy. What exactly is your problem, huh? Oh, you oh, want to be some of me? You want to be some of me? You The point here is that the warrior wants his title back, but Rude also has a target on his back from Roddy Piper. Right. So we get to the match here. I want Quinn to handle this, but I will just say this. This match might be, because when people talk the good warrior matches... They talk WrestleMania six mm-hmm. and they talk WrestleMania seven and rightfully so to both. This one I feel like might get overlooked. Quinn, explain. this is like the prototype to like good Ultimate Warrior matches. I mean, this has like just moments and it, it's the heel getting his comeuppance and Ultimate Warrior's down. He's got to come back and you know all the. It's got it. It's got a little bit of everything and what it does do, which in any great Ultimate Warrior match is, it's got the crowd by the neck like it doesn't let go right right every, every single the the crowd is hanging on absolutely everything that's going on in that ring even though it's like it might not be the greatest wrestling ever but the the crowd is just hooked right oh, that, the crowd that, that, is that is well that, invested that that is the strength right yep. so we get into this match and it's going and every everyone's hanging on every moment we're like oh maybe war is gonna win maybe rude's gonna win and it's back and forth and back and forth and then there's a moment where Piper comes out. Yep. And he, and he kind of, and Rick Rude's like, fuck you. And blah, blah, blah. And Piper's <laughs> kind of looking at him. And, and what's great is like wrestling, I think, was so saturated at this point that I think the crowd, when they saw Roddy Piper, they kind of knew what was going on. Right. They, they had watched primetime. They right. knew. Right. And it's like, oh shit. Like he, that was a mistake attacking Roddy yep. Piper on, on primetime. Yep. And then like it, it costs, it costs him the match basically. He moons him. Yeah. With his kilt. Mm-hmm. And then it's all over with uh, your new winner, Kyle champion, ultimate warrior. Great reaction. Rick Roots seething. Seething. Like, yeah. Drops him down. The Great stuff. I also want to mention here before we forget, the commentary here is handled by Tony Schiavone right. and Jesse Ventura. Excellent. They're excellent folks. And again, we've we've shown a lot of love and appreciation for Tony Schiavone mm-hmm. uh, in the last year or two or three. And uh, Jesse Ventura is my favorite color commentator right up there with Bobby. And these two are very well known for their WCW work together. They're a well-regarded team in the early 90s. But the two WWF shows they do together, this and Royal Rumble, they're tremendous, they too. They are absolutely great. Yeah. So it's you're not losing much by not having Gorilla, which is rare. Yeah. But Shivani's excellent here. I just wanted to point that out. Boy, oh boy, could everyone not wait to watch the next primetime after that shit went down? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I was like, the rare. I was like, oh, I can't wait to see what Gorilla's got. To, <laughs> really going to take it to him. 
Oh, uh, you made a mistake, Brain, you piece of crap. You cost your meal ticket the yeah. title. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Shouldn't have messed with Piper. <laughs> yeah. I told you, Brain. I told you, Brain. Yeah. <laughs> the scolding voice. Yeah. Anyway, the next one is another good six man that people look at and they're like, oh, big fat guys and Duggan. That can't be good. Match. Yeah. Oh, it's Scott this Keith's blog. This is lovely. This is fucking good. Yeah. Jim Duggan, King Duggan. Yes. Teams up with Demolition, the former champions, but still the hottest tag team, right? Mm-hmm. To take on Andre the Giant. I don't like you. You're fired. And the Twin Towers, who are incredible. And enough big people here. <laughs> That's what I like about it, though. Yeah. There's nothing like this today, Quinn. Yeah, this is... Look I mean, at this! I don't, I don't know where you find people that... Where do they get these people from? <laughs> That's like... This is the definition of where do they get these guys? Right? Like, this is that. Duggan's a big guy, and he's yeah. one of the smaller ones in this match. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this is notable for being a lot better than anyone probably thinks it is, you know, like off memory. Yeah. You know what I mean? You wouldn't think it's good, but it really is. And not only that, this is where Smash Body Slams one man, or uh, Akeem and Boss Man. Yep. Like proudly. And you know who Jim Duggan was a substitute for, who was the early, early entrant in this match? Hercules or something? No. No. Big John. Oh, good. That's a great replacement. (laughs) I'd much rather have Duggan. Duggan's so underrated. (laughs) He's great. He's literally like such a cornerstone of this time period. Like, just stick him in there with it. Everyone cheers him. Like, it doesn't matter. It's great. Yeah. So, this match is short. It's like seven minutes and it's nonstop fun. Mm -hmm. And that's my story. And I am sticking to it. The next one is whatever. It's not good, but it's quick. Now, this one is Greg Valentine. (laughs) <laughs> defeating Hercules, but there's chicanery, which is all compounded by the fact that the retired Ronnie Garvin, because Valentine beat him in a career match. Right, yes. This angle. Ah! Ronnie Garvin is so annoying. He's so annoying. He's the guest ring announcer, right? He's so unfunny in his role. He's like a roast yeah. master from a retirement dinner in the 40s. You know what I mean? Not it's even like- in the 40s, like now. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just, like where they, they can't, they got the best they could, like maybe the guy from something. And he's like, he is allegedly from Seattle, Washington. Like, why would he yeah. lie about that? They got like, the local comedian. The, who's the local comedian? I don't know, the town yeller or something. What is a town yeller? It's something in England. Well, anyway, Greg Valentine quickly defeats Hercules, but I don't, is it feet on the ropes? There's some like shit. It doesn't no, matter. Is it nothing? And Garvin's just like, no, he lost. Isn't I, it something like I think, that? I think it's one of those things where he announces the, the <laughs> wrong thing. Like a I don't jerk? Even, I don't even think, did he even win? No, Valentine won. Valentine but, won, but he's never announced the winner. It's like something like that. Garvin's it's, an asshole. It's shitty. And then just to cool the crowd down a little more before the main event, Ted DiBiase, who has done nothing notable in 89 except <laughs> you, get a belt. You hate his 89. 89 stinks until yeah, the end did, of the year. He did have the belt. Good. That, that's the only good thing. Yeah, vampire cape. I'm here. I'm here. The million dollar man is here. <laughs> he defeats Jimmy Snuka, who had returned by count out. And this match isn't good. And I'm not going to pretend you, it is. Honestly, this is a weird choice on this card only because it's like Jimmy Snuka's back. Why don't you have like him like do stuff? Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, his whole push in 89 is really weird to me. Yeah, I don't... He, they never really did much with him in 89. It but it's never weird amounted. because when he came out at WrestleMania 5, everyone's, like, all fucking amped up for him. Yeah, I know, but it didn't amount to anything. Anyway, DiBiase wins, and then the main event, like we talked about, it's an attraction, it's silly, it's not, like, going to be anyone's match of the year or yeah. anything like that. But I have no problem with it. It's not much worse than the year before. No. The Mega Bucks. Right. 
What happens at the end, Quinn, right? Is Sherry's suspiciously long ponytail? What happens they, to they, it? They cut it off. Not after giving her like this really ridiculous atomic drop. Yeah. It's, it's although, 89. Although, to be fair, that's the Sherry special is to... She know, didn't care, yeah, clearly. No, she, she always gets physical in yeah. there and wants to... You know, she starts doing karate kicks the whole match. And, you know, <laughs> like, you know the spot that Sherry's looking for by the end is, like, them to do something to her, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, like, yeah. That's what the match builds to. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah, I hit her right in the mouth. Man. You advocate brutality of a man hitting a woman? This is horrible. But anyway, the crowd is happy. This is a very feel-good pay-per-view. And it'll be very interesting to see where it ranks. But before we do that, Quinn, let's run them down. Number one, unfortunately, is WrestleMania 17. Two, Excellent. Stop. Two is WrestleMania 3, which should be number one. Three is Royal Rumble 92. Four is WrestleMania 6. Five is Canadian Stampede. And six is SummerSlam 91. Quinn, what's your uh, thoughts here on ECW One Night Stand? Is it better than SummerSlam 91? I kind of think so. I really enjoy that show, like, a lot. And I went back to it, and it's super enjoyable. I've watched it definitely more than once. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I can't... I gotta give them a lot of credit for how well done it is. Like, it's one of those situations where it's like, I can't believe they did this. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm surprised, A, that they did it, B, that it's as good as it is. It feels like it's not even a WWF show. Well, that's why it's so good in Which 05. is unbelievable in, in the era that we're talking about where Vince is, you know, I'm in control of all wrestling, pal. Yeah. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it, I swear it's not even booked by Vince. It can't be. No, it's Paul Heyman, I think. I think I'm he pretty just, sure it is. I think this is just, Paul, can you, you know, we want you to do this. We think it will be really good. The ulterior motive, obviously, is to sell merchandise and, and to yeah. perhaps resurrect ECW. Of course. That's uh, but literally. But, it, but the, I think Vince just went hands off with this. It Which looks it, like he did. And he said, he said, let's see what, let, it was like a test run, essentially, right? It was right. like, let's give Paul the book for the night, let him bring in anybody he wants, put him on a payroll for a night. Yeah, and let's, for this. And let's, let's put it on pay-per-view and just see what happens. Agreed. And this, it was a runaway success. Like, it was, it was surprising. Critically acclaimed, yeah. Critic, you know, critically acclaimed, commercially successful, everything worked. I'll put it above SummerSlam. Yeah. I, I like it more. And yeah. I love the WWF's golden era. And I lo- you know what I mean? But this is a better show. This is It's a special show, right? It's like, it's yeah. really so much more interesting than a lot of stuff that they ever did. Is it better than Canadian Stampede? See, I, when I think of Canadian Stampede, I think Canadian Stampede is like feel good. And I actually think it's as comparable to One Night Stand as it can get. And I think One Night Stand's more feel good because the thing about one night stand is it felt like it was writing the wrong that the ecw fan base kind of just got cut off with no notice sure there was no farewell sure they, it's not like they were unpopular it was like a good thing that people didn't want to go away like wcw was like right. shitty right so it was kind of like different in that case right so i think it's a little bit above it i don't think it's as good as wrestlemania 6 though i can't put it above six either it's either going to be below or above stampede they're very analogous yeah i feel it's above stampede but by just by a little bit because i feel like they're a similar thing but i think ecw just it's like seared in my memory that night and i could i could feel the emotion coming through the tv you know what i mean it's very special yeah but you could say that about stampede but again you'd have to be canadian 
Yeah, I don't you know think it appeals I mean? to a, as large an audience as ECW. Even well, EC- I don't know about no, that. No, well, even though ECW's audience is small, yeah, that's it's the thing, passionate, though, Quinn. and I think. But so is Canada's audience. I think they seriously. I think it was really conveyed how special ECW was. I think it got people interested into ECW that maybe didn't even that missed all of it. That I don't know. I mean, maybe yeah, you're right, but again. A lot of the same feel good and passion could be said about Canadian stampede. True, but that's all in the end. This is the whole show is a emotion thing. Yeah, okay, yes, you're right about that. But also the, the Canadian- rest of it is good. Is uh, Taka and but it's good. It's, it's all no, good, it's good. Is what I'm saying. It's good. It's I, all good. Yeah, I'll go with you. I'm yeah. okay with it. But I it, think even ECW has the better standout match. The Tanaka awesome thing. I like it better than Ten Man. I really do. Yeah. I really do. I, I'm serious. I, that blew me away at the time. Yeah. I didn't really, ex- I didn't even see no it coming. I, it was just like, it, no was, one did. it was just all of a sudden you're in the middle of this fucking classic yeah. out of nowhere, yeah. right? It, no one saw that coming. Yeah. I'll go with One Night Stand at number five. Okay. People are probably so pissed right now, but again. Go watch One Night Stand. It's it, great. It, it really is. It's a great show. Now, here's the thing, Quinn, and here's where I need you because you have a good way of putting these things. WrestleMania six does not have a match on the card that probably touches the in ring of, of Tanaka versus um Mike Awesome. WrestleMania six, I was told, is crappy in the ring. You know what I mean? Everything's crappy. I mean, Why is it so high? It's so high because it, it like one night stand does, it, it strikes the right chord, right? It's just it really I don't know. It just it's a very it's comfort food. As a package start to finish, yeah, it's like, six it's, it's is like, fun. It's comfort food. You can always turn it on. It's probably like, to be honest with you, it's the most rewatchable show on this list so far. For me, it is actually. That or three. Which is a weird thing to say for something that doesn't have the best matches on it. But it's but not I always think, about that. I think the thing is, is, as far as my rewatching habits are concerned, if something has good matches on it, it also requires your undivided attention. Right. But when something is just... Fun, comforting. You can kind of leave it on in the background and, and that's another enjoy thing. it. And the commentary it kind of has a soundtrack rather than the other ones. The commentary on 6 is the best on this list. Well, Rumble followed 92 by, is on here. Followed by 92, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. 92 is the funniest. Yeah. Definitely. That's true. <laughs> Rumble 92 is a comedy. It is. Tour de force over yeah. there. 6, I think, is the overall, like, my favorite. But yeah. I know it's apples and oranges, honestly. It's okay. different things. I think we're in a good spot here with ECW, right? I think this is like... Right in the middle? Per- this is perfect. I will say this about Six. Also, just one more point in its favor. It's Got Hogan Warrior. Yeah. One Night Stand is not about the right. main event. You one, know what I one mean? One Night Stand... One Night Stand is more about the whole card. It's about everyone on the card. And that's a rare thing. Literally, the whole point of that card is so that you get to see the entrances... And the wrestlers yeah, and the finishing do, moves, do their thing. One the spots. More, what, what is to be believed at the time is one more time, right? And that, and it's supposed to be kind of a farewell. And it's Vince letting someone do something and not meddling with it and not yeah. fucking it up. It's in that way, it's pure. It's very representative of what ECW was. It's even in an ECW arena, you know, right, like one yeah. of their arenas and stuff with they Joey brought, Styles. They even brought back all the the cryon, like we said, and yeah. all that stuff. Chiron, yes, yeah, and yeah, the refs. They, yeah, they brought like literally they tried. To just make it ECW the best they could. Instead of uh, the boogeyman like they would do later. Right. Okay. I'll leave it at five. I am okay with that. SummerSlam 89 now. Mm. I got to say something here, folks. This is a great show. I'm rocketing this up. It is a better, more feel-good show than 91. Yes. 91's biggest fault, I'm going to say this as we move it up the list, 
91's biggest fault is the main event is a piece of shit. And a wedding. And a wedding. And 89's is a stupid tag attraction, but it's still better. It's better than that. Yeah. Yeah. 89, I like a lot more than Canadian Stampede. 100%. Canadian Stampede is like clinically good. You know what I mean? Like if you ran a, a series of tests on it, it would come out like positive match quality and all that. So you know what I mean? Yeah. If anything, <laughs> okay. Maybe I'm I'm just saying this as we're going up here. Go ahead. I personally think Canadian Stampede is a very overrated pay-per-view, but that's just me. I know what you mean, but it also is really good yeah. in terms of all the matches it's and stuff. It's a weird, like, I think that it's a lot so of people minor. just look at it. Yeah, it just it means nothing in the long term. I, it's not something I like think to even go back to watch right right it is good and i'm sure when we review it we're both going to be like oh this is a good show right yeah we will I'm, i guarantee you but it's not you look at that card you're like i don't what is this it's like there's like four matches or something But because you're looking at it on paper when yeah. you watch it though you're like oh this is this is really good but the thing is SummerSlam 89 like we said when we started talking about it it is like the prototypical whatever you want to call it oh the, yeah it's it's the it's epitome big time summer slam like it just fun, feels like fun the in the summer, sun baby right? yeah. like you're not back in school yet yeah maybe. It, it, it's got it's it's exactly yeah it, it it's kinda, got all your favorites as they say it has a vibe it has a vibe it has a vibe to it it's got demolition it's got hulk hogan it's got macho man it's got ultimate warrior it's got looks riding, all sweaty yeah, and then the, yeah it's just it's good and as much as i like one night stand i gotta put summer oh, yeah. slam 89 above I, I put above it yeah now, the tr- first true competition here, WrestleMania 6, in my opinion. What do you think? Hmm. This is a tough one because, honestly, I think SummerSlam 1989 personally has the best match of the mm-hmm. two. That Ultimate Warrior shit is good. But I like WrestleMania 6 does have the Ultimate Warrior's probably defining moment. Yeah, but it's not all about him. Right. That's right? True. We got to be fair here. I know. The Warrior Hogan match is very good, but as I've said before, it's not even my favorite match involving either guy. Here's the thing: is the commentary on six is better than eighty nine? It, it is by a little bit, but only yeah. by a little. Only by a little, yeah. But it, it's also like the last time we get to hear Jesse and Gorilla. It is. It's very good. Eighty nine, though, SummerSlam eighty nine has better wrestling matches in yes, ring. Definitely, <laughs> it the definitely op- has that. The opener with Brett, yep. and Nightheart against the Brainbusters. The fucking six man with Martel and the Rujos against the Rockers and Santana. The Warrior versus Rude. And I don't care what anyone says. The other six man with Andre. Jim with, Duggan and all that. Yes. And the main event is fun. It's not even that bad. The main event is you not that bad. what's interesting about it? Actually, six and uh, SummerSlam 89 here, they're very much the same style Ilk. of show. Yeah, like that period of time, right? They, they, they represent are. the same period of time. And actually, like, as good as much as we love six, this is just like the argument with three again, where uh-huh. where we was like the better show versus the classic show, right? Yes. It's like SummerSlam '89 is kind of like a better show it altogether, is. right? It is. So I personally would rewatch six more. Yeah, it, which again, that's it's so funny because this is it's we're it's running the it's the same thing. conundrum at one and two again, right? I really think though that SummerSlam '89 is the better show. I, I agree with you okay. there. And let's do it. I think one is a better show than the other. I think the Rumble is actually such a good barrier here. The Rumble is so... Oh. I, I could put what, 89 above I don't know it. what this... This show has something special about it that I can Agreed. never really like. It feels so important for some fucking reason. Rumble 92. And it the really commentary does. is really so does. fucking on point. Yes, it is. It, it, 
No, I know. And it, it to me, the Royal Rumble 92, even though WrestleMania 8 is supposed to be like the peak of this like pre-Attitude Attitude Era thing, yeah. I feel like Rumble 92 is like the most representative of what that is. You right? know what, though, Quinn? I do agree with you, and I love Rumble 92, and you know that. But yeah. if you think about the card... I really think SummerSlam 89, top to bottom, is a, is a more fun show. So this is where I think it gets interesting. I really do. I agree with you there it's on some points, but the problem with the Rumble 92 is that literally like 50% of the card is the Royal Rumble. And that Rumble is great. So that yes. you, you, automa- yes. you automatically from the get-go, from a science perspective, 50% of it's five stars. <laughs> Which is weird to say, but yeah, you know what know, I'm saying? You know, know what I'm I getting know. at? It's and the like, opener is very good. And the opener, yeah, if the opener wasn't good, maybe then maybe it wouldn't even rank this high. But And it's got Piper Mountie and moment. It's, yeah, it's got the feel-good moment in there. It's the got only the comedy. Thing, the only thing that, yeah, I think that, I think the whole show with the genius is fantastic. And fucking Jameson is amazing. Right. But, <laughs> but if you look at top to bottom, SummerSlam 89, I mean, the opener is right. really good. The Dusty and I would Hockey say thing is so, really fun. SummerSlam 89 is a more like classically sound better show i want to put it above it okay i really I can, do i can go there with you i, I don't really, think it touches three or seven doesn't. 17 but like i don't even think it comes close i think the thing i think SummerSlam 89 might even be and i i only use this word when i really mean it i think SummerSlam 89 is a little underrated i think i think it is underrated when we reviewed this you and i were both blown away at how good this show was the execution is surprisingly great yeah like i can't put it really it, is. it is i can't put it above three because it doesn't matter as much as three no even if i like it better than three which well, i might matter, it matters a lot to the ascension of the ultimate warrior but other than that it, yeah yeah other than that it's a it is the picture perfect snapshot of the golden era right it really is to me I think that captures yeah. everything about 1989 in a, in a beautiful three-hour show. It's weird because WrestleMania three is very much a snapshot of the like right right, be, right before yep. they got like the very glossy looking yep. everything looks better thing. Right on the cusp of it, yeah, right on the, the right when it's turning right. And this is the crest of the wave, and WrestleMania six is kind of the mm-hmm. the last time you see the wave before yeah. it goes out to yeah. sea. Are we okay with that? SummerSlam Mini Nine number three? Sure. Okay. Well, this folks, list is very good. I'm very almost okay with this list, but folks, let us know. <laughs> it's a very good list. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Folks, let us know what you think here. Uh, this will do it, though, for week number four. At number one, WrestleMania X7. Number two, WrestleMania 3. Three, SummerSlam 89. Four, Royal Rumble 92. Five, WrestleMania 6. Six, ECW. One Night Stand. Seven, Canadian Stampede. And eight, where it belongs, SummerSlam 91. (laughs) Folks, let us know yours and let us know why. Do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email or join the group. But Quinn, when we come back, we're going to some comfort food ourselves. WWF Superstars. From 1991, that'll be coming up right after this. ECW One Night Stand, a one-time reunion of the lutest, the rudest, the crudest, the most insane, the most severe, the most extreme form of sports entertainment legal in the United States today. The original stars of Extreme Championship Wrestling are back for ECW's One Night Stand. Live Sunday, June 12th, only on pay-per-view. 
Hello, wrestling fans. It's time to shout out our friends of the show now. These are other independent podcasters that do their best each and every week to put out a unique program focusing on old wrestling, kind of like OVP. Let's start with the best of Southern Fried Wrestling. We're talking filthy. We're talking unprofessional wrestling podcast. We're talking about booking the territory where you will get your fix of the NWA each week. And then for a whimsical journey led by one man, Pete Winson, check out Greetings from Allentown. It might be WWF. It might be WCW. It could be Mid-South. So check out our friends of the show. We're talking about booking the territory and Greetings from Allentown. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Thank you guys for being with us here, episode 247. Quinn, we're reviewing something. We are. Yes, WWF Superstars. Wow. Mm. Haven't done that in a while. Didn't we do it like three weeks ago or something? Uh, No, we did Challenge recently. Oh, sorry. Wrong WWF show. Wrong syndicated show. Now, folks, you can request something for us to review. You can do that on our Facebook group. We have a post called Specific Episode Review Requests. Just drop it there if it's a link or whatever the show is and the date, and we'll do our best to get to it. The only thing we ask is make sure it is an hour or less, okay? All right, Quinn. So this time around, this was suggested by Morgan ZS. I really want to know what the ZS stands for. I don't know. Zero stars. Zero suit. Zoot suit, actually. Yeah. (laughs) And this is WWF Superstars, November 9th, 91. So it's interesting that we were talking about the Royal Rumble because this is kind of that period of time where we're starting to slowly build to the Royal Rumble. Well, yeah. Big November time. 91, you know, obviously Survivor Series still needs to happen first. Yeah. This is a good period of time, folks. This is what we call the uh, pre-attitude attitude era, Quinn. Right. You yes. Know, that's, I, I always feel very comfortable when I'm here. You coined that term, actually. The pre-attitude attitude era. For whatever reason, it seems to me, it seems to me that once Bruce Pritchard left in the spring of 91. Good. And before he came back in the fall of 92, things were different than they had been. A little edgier. A little edgier. Everyone seems to have a problem with Jack Tunney. Yeah. Like, to me, that's the that's the common thread between everything, is that everyone fucking hates Jack Tunney. Correct. Uh, there's a lot more chaos than there used to be. Yeah. There's always fighting over who gets to get the next title shot. Crazy. Which is what they, you know, they did <laughs> at the beginning of the Attitude Era. That's you right. see, that's why it's the pre-Attitude it's Era. Pre-attitude. It's, it's very similar in that sense. People sometimes get bit by snakes and stuff like that. You slap yeah, women. Oh, yeah. There's people, stuff people, going on. People do things they shouldn't be doing. It's a little dangerous. It's, it's heated, right? You, you kind of lose any, you, you lose any rational thought. That's you right. Might, you might bite, get somebody to get bitten by a snake. You might bite a snake. You might bite a snake. You never know. Yeah. The only way to find out is to watch WWF Superstars November 9th, 1991. Like we said, Quinn, the pre-attitude, attitude era, right? Yep, yep. You love Lovely. it. Lovely. So we get the very 1991 intro that I don't love. I actually don't love it either. It sounds minor. It sounds minor, and it's just a bunch of dumb clips of people. Yeah, lots of action clips. You know, Warlord, yeah. Virgil, Bushwhackers, Anvil. Of course, we, we end on Hulk Hogan. The show is still called Superstars of Wrestling at this point, if you care, before Mm -hmm. they shortened it. Anyway, Vince welcomes us to the War Memorial Coliseum in Fort Wayne, Indiana here, and he's joined from the green screen by Rowdy Roddy Piper and Macho Man Randy Savage. Not wrestling, of course. Of course not. Welcome, everyone, to the Superstars of Wrestling. I'm Vince McMahon, along with the Hot Rod, Rowdy Roddy Piper, and the Macho Man Randy Savage. What a weird time where Piper and Savage were on commentary with Vince. It's a very unfortunate time. I don't like them both here. Mm -hmm. I don't. Anyway, Vince has a powder blue suit. Savage has a green shirt. Piper has that weird jacket thing with the white trim. Anyway, apparently Sid Justice has suffered a severed bicep tendon 
So he's going to be out of the Survivor Series. Because, again, who actually shows up for Survivor Series? I mean, like, are you are we serious? It's like a joke at this point, right? <laughs> Someone's like, always out. There's more than one on this one. Yes, there is. If, if I recall, this Survivor Series has so many substitutions. There's a lot. There's yes. a lot, right? Absolutely right, Quinn. We now throw to Sid in a very merry pink polo shirt with his arm in a big cast, and Sid is very calm as he tells Jake Roberts, who he was feuding with, that he'll be back bigger, stronger, and better than ever. I am on the road to recover. I will be back bigger, stronger, and better than ever. He also pleads with President Jack Tunney to reinstate Randy Savage. That weird endorsement, <laughs> Sid. Yeah. Like, what? Please reinstate the macho man. Yeah. Anyway. I guess everyone is like, when's the macho man? It's like kind of universal. He's on commentary is yeah. when he is. Anyway, we go back to Randy Savage at the green screen, and he agrees with that. Piper butts in all loud and then holds up a very large reinstate macho man sign. We run down the action. No spoilers, Quinn. Yeah, I cannot say nope. who it is. There's we, people, though. People will be there's, wrestling. There's wrestlers. There's wrestlers on this show. Yeah. We go to ringside where Jake Roberts' awesome heel theme hits. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. The music is brilliant. This is top fucking form for Jake the Snake, if I you ask me. I love this version of him. Trust me. Trust, trust me. me. Trust me. me. Beep, 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 yep. beep. <laughs> Super Nintendo music. <laughs> yep. And Savage. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm scared. Mel Phillips is sadly our ring announcer here. Jake has those very good blue and orange like heel tights. Oh, the ones where he looks like a real dick. <laughs> He's like, scummy. He looks so gross. Love it. His opponent is Eric Freedom, who looks like he failed an audition for Grease 2. He's just like waiting there to get <laughs> fucked up. Too. Like he You is. can tell he's just like, well, beat me up, man. <laughs> uh, Jake attacks before the bell, which is fine with me. Referee is Roger Ruffin because Indiana. I love Roger Ruffin, by the <laughs> he's way. Good. He's very underrated. Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Uh, Vince talks about how Jake Roberts has a cobra, but it's devenomized and Piper calls bullshit. And so do I. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem at all real. Yeah, Jake's been real trustworthy lately. His huh? music literally says trust me like all suspiciously. <laughs> like we should trust him. Yeah, he seems like an honest guy. Anyway. If you have to put trust me in your music, you've lost the or, trustworthiness. Or in your car dealer commercial. Yeah. Uh, Jake stomps away. Um, this arena Quinn looks serviceable yeah, if nothing I, else i honestly like didn't even think of anything to say right. or, it just it's an arena it's there i didn't see the wall andrew rogers right as, a jake, as long as you don't see the wall it's that's a great sign or the ceiling too yeah. much jake throws freedom from the ring and goes over to send him right back in i know jake is wearing his snake glove the whole <laughs> yeah. match which is awesome by yeah. the, way. <laughs> the, the cobra he glove? doesn't even take it off he doesn't he just keeps it on sure our clothesline I guess you can say let freedom ring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Piper calls Savage Randall several times. Randall! Worst case scenario. Randall! Randall, I got a point here! Just shut up. <laughs> Please. <laughs> the announcers then plug Jake's appearance on the variety show era of primetime, which didn't happen because they literally said fuck that format the next week. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> got canceled before. They're just like, oh, we're here at the table. How would you want to bet at something, at some point, they blame Jake the Snake for it? Because he's just a heel and they hate him. You know, Brain, Jake Roberts was supposed to be here, but we can't have him here in front of a studio audience. There's a cobra. I, I can't don't know. trust him. I'm just making that up. But anyway, uh, DDT gets the quick win. Awesome. Yeah. That was I, it was nice to just see him just DDT this loser. No fucking around. Yeah. Jake then pulls out his snake, but Roger Ruffin pulls Eric to freedom. <laughs> you know, I wish they would have named this cobra. This cobra didn't have a name. I know. It's. I don't know. It's just the evil cobra to I me. Mean, like, I wish it had a name. It, Damien was named. Lucifer was named. Yeah, but those, Revelations. Those, those two are, they make sense. What what else could you do? I think of a name for the fucking Cobra. Yeah, but they're all named after like Bible things. 
So like Satan. I don't know. Just straight up Satan. Just fucking go for it. The devil. The, <laughs> just that's the name of the snake. The devil. Anyway, we get a replay of the DDT Devil's Dinner Time. Yeah. And then we go to an update with Mean Gene from the pages of WWF magazine, of course. Mean Gene is here from the All American Room, and this uh, edition of Update is brought to us by the WBF Championship on Coliseum Video. Ew. Yeah, ew. Ugh. Seriously, how many people bought that? Six. Nobody. That, yeah. that tape. That. Uh, I don't, does anybody tape? know anybody that has that's one of those tapes that i wouldn't even be sad if it was lost to time right i honestly wouldn't i have yeah. no desire to ever watch that <laughs> like <laughs> anyway we see i don't know gary stridham or somebody pose it doesn't matter no comment yeah anyway sid is out of survivor series but also last weekend the mountie and jimmy hart dumped water on bret hart and shocked him why don't we take a look so we see clips of jacques Rougeau calling him bret a Godless coward on the mic, all silly. I love him. Yep. He's great. And then Brett gets his mic and he says, uh, he tells Jacques why he's not giving him a title shot. And he's like, I could never give a title match to a jailbird. I could never give a title match to a jailbird. <laughs> Vince thinks that's Does really that? funny. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible. Anyway, Jimmy, um, it dumps water on Brett, and then we get the shock stick, complete with the same sound effect used when The Undertaker died at Royal Rumble 94. Well, it's a very similar moment. Yeah, that's right. Earl Hebner allegedly helps out. I don't know. Maybe he can get Brett a new shirt. He's got rubber soles or something. I don't so, know. <laughs> he's, got, he's got rubber sole, the Beatles album, in his <laughs> yeah. pocket. Bootlegging that, too. Yeah. Anyway, Gene couldn't believe it. I'm surprised. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And then, like, the weirdest mention. This is amazing to me. And as we all know, water intensifies conductivity. And as we all know, water intensifies conductivity. Jeez. This is very Gene, right? (laughs) I can't. The fact that he had to give, like, the FAQ on how electricity and water, their relationship, it's amazing. (laughs) And as we all know, you know, very Gene about it. Anyway, Brett and the Mountie will be on opposing teams at the Survivor Series. But first, here's a promo from the Mountie and Jimmy Hart. Jimmy loves what his Mountie did last week, baby. And Mountie wants, I want the Intercontinental Championship. And then he shows his stick. As we fade away. Lovely. Very lovely. I didn't realize this shit was like, had any existing backstory before that crap, you know, when Brett was oh, sick happened. Yeah. You could see the treachery of the Mountie or whatever yeah. the fuck. <laughs> anyway, back to the ring where Steve Dupree is in the ring. He's very dirty, this guy. He's like Dog the Bounty Hunter's it dad. Shitty. Dad the Bounty Hunter. Ugh. Next up, Virgil's classic music hits and the million dollar champion storms out. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then Piper plays up his character and he's like, hey, Virgil, get him, Virgil. Doesn't I swear either Vince or Savage have to go, hey, Piper, that's Virgil coming down. And then all of a sudden, yes. he's like, Hey, Virg! Hey, Virg! Yeah. I gotta wait to him! Hey, Virgil! Virgil, get him, Virg! It's still funny that this is still going on in, like, November! <laughs> like, like a year. It's been, like, a, it's been since, like, January. Yeah. It's, like, crazy. Anyway, we get a bell punches by Verge. Irish whip, clothesline. Referee is Earl here. As Vince chimes in and says that it looks like Steve Dupree should be playing for ZZ Top, but he doesn't have a beard. So, okay, Vince. This is why Vince needs to leave the humor to us. Right. We'll you know? handle it, Vince. He doesn't have a beard. What is he, Frank Beard? Vince, if you need to hire us for your show nowadays, because it's not really funny either. It's really not. I hate the fake laughing at not things. The, not that we're funny, yeah. but I mean, I don't know. Anyway, insert promo now from DiBiase and Sherry. Teddy and Sherry cackle. DiBiase says he's got a million-dollar plan to get his belt back. Cackle, cackle. Very nefarious. Very nefarious. Meanwhile, Virgil gets the million-dollar dream for the win. Why does he have his own finisher? 
No, well, he always had a million dollars. I know. Dream. Why? Because I don't know. It, it's. Didn't he? I, I guess they're supposed to think that, like, remember when Ted taught him how to wrestle for that tag team match or whatever? In like 88 or something? Oh, you mean, no, the against Dusty? The, the, yeah, against the, the Rhodes brothers or whatever. Can you believe and, Dusty was still here this year? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that part alone is ridiculous. <laughs> but I think that we're supposed to think he, like, knows some of the holds or something, right? Maybe. I do think, though, that Virgil at some point switched to, like, a Russian leg sweep as a That's finisher. That's horrible. So. He should have stuck with the other thing. <laughs> at least at least Million Dollar Man gave him something good. True. You know? But now, Quinn, we get a Repo Man vignette. Mm. Ooh, is this the early meaner of Repo Man? Might be. We have to find out here. So it's dark out, and he's creeping through someone's front yard. Apparently, he says it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I bet you're wondering what a nice guy like me is doing out here at 3 o'clock in the morning. This is already scary to me. No. I, I don't like it. Now, Repo says, you know, I'm an honest guy. I don't lie or cheat anybody. But see this guy here? <laughs> He's a day late on his car payment. Can you believe it? He's a day late on his car payments. A day late. Uh, you know what? Late is late, Quinn. The guy's well, late. Shouldn't be late. Anyway, Repo now creeps up to the car, tries to open it, but it's locked. And then... This is the thing that scared us. <laughs> it's locked. This is not like anything that we would ever associate with Repo Man. The Repo Man is like goofy as hell. He's like practically doink. Like, you know what I mean? Like he's not. This is right. this is really dark. So this is really weird. You wouldn't think of this. But anyway, Repo unlocks the car, quickly hot wires it. What? How does he know how to do that? I don't know. And then he drives the hell out of there. Anyway, Repo ends on, what's mine is mine. And what's yours is mine, too! <laughs> Only Barry Darso can do that. By the way, I want to note, notice how after DBS said, you know, we got the million dollar plan to get in the yep. cackle cackle, right? And then they go, then we they go the- to Repo. That's like some foreshadowing right there. Perfectly. Yeah, yeah but no one would have known No one would have known, but that's why it's so good. Yep. Right? I have to hand it to them out there. Because in case you didn't know, folks, uh, Repo Man was the one that helped DBS win the title back right. right after this. Exactly. And here we are. They're, oh, here's the Repo Man. This is what he does. Yep. It kind of works. To Sean Mooney in the event center, being very Mooney, he's like, it appears Repo Man plans to take whatever he desires here in the World Wrestling Federation. Well, it's time now for you folks in the metropolitan area <laughs> to seize your opportunity to catch WWF action. Horrible. God, by this point, I'm done with Mooney. Isn't Todd better than this? I can't believe I'm saying this, but he kind of is. It's less annoying than... The thing that with Todd is he's like two-faced in a way because yes. Todd always starts everything with this horrible humor that's always 100% Which bad. I hate. But then he goes into this more serious Todd afterwards and he's like, hey, you got to check this <laughs> right. out. Like, there's this really good match between Double J or something. Like, <laughs> and Lex Luger. Lex Luger. Like, it's really cool, man. And he's and like, all earnest. He's like very earnest and you kind of believe him. And that's when he's good, right? But then he goes back to, oh, I might slip on a banana peel or something. Like, you ever watch Taxi? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, or <laughs> yeah, whatever. Yeah, like, what are you doing? It's like, shut up. <laughs> Ugh. It's like if he could just extract the humor, <laughs> put it in a dumpster, yeah. and then just only have the other part of Todd, we would be in, right. made in the shade. But Mooney has this one mo, which is like, Sunday night. At the next encounter. It's one mode, and it's not that frustrating. Yeah. Anyway. WWF is coming to MSG on November 30th. And if Hogan is still champion, Quinn, he'll defend that title against Ric Flair. He won't be champion, though. <laughs> See, I feel bad for the fans <laughs> that put the tickets already. Because, like, honestly, right? If they were like, 
Ric Flair is fighting Hulk Hogan for the WWF title. I would like be like, Mom, yeah, can I we know. like immediately? Like I, I wouldn't even think about it. I'd just be like, I have to see that. But they did still do the match. It just wasn't for a title, it obviously. It means less than though. I agree. But anyway, cut now to Bobby Heenan with Ric Flair. We still have the big gold belt here for Flair. As Bobby says that Gorilla Monsoon, he better find someone else to do commentary because Bobby's going to be with Ric Flair. Flair has a green robe, not a suit, of course. And he says that big guys are his specialty. He's waited 10 years. Flair versus Hogan, the biggest match of all time. Well, it should be, but how show? <laughs> yeah, because you know their practice of always testing out the WrestleMania all, main they event at house that shows. all the time. Yeah, they did it with Hogan Sid, right? So at this very moment, Joe, I have to ask you, what what, what is your current opinion of um, did Hogan just not want a job no, or something? Like, in what, all honesty, yeah. I really believe it was Vince's call. Okay. Because I think it was a no-win situation because of the timing. Okay. Hogan was leaving. It just but This is extra suspicious, though. I know, but their house show shit... I know it's like, am didn't draw. Maybe it didn't draw what they wanted. Their house show feud is good. Listen, I'm going to tell you I right like now, it. that Meltzer shit is bullshit now to me because you know what? Why? They say didn't draw, right? It would have drawn if Hogan didn't lose the WF title before the match. Maybe there was, you know, dads around the, na- around know, the metropolitan area that said, you know what? I'm just going to... This wasn't what my kid wanted to see. I really don't know. Just uh, saying, they I, pulled the rug out from under them, is my I, point. I also don't think, I know how, you know how you like to harp on the fact that like no one knows who guys are when they come to the WWF? Yeah, but I mean. That also applies, no, there is no yeah, but I mean. It also applies to Ric Flair, because he's in the same promotion as the other people that you accuse people of not knowing who they are. I guess fair it's enough. Like Flair, Flair didn't transcend the wrestling business in the 80s, I'm sorry. No. He wasn't Hulk Hogan. You're absolutely right. So maybe, it's not as big of a match to the casual fan. Maybe not in the New York uh, at Madison Square Garden. Maybe not in WWF territory in general is what I mean. Yeah. They're strong. I, I would say if they if they were doing shows out in the middle of the country though, that would be a huge draw. I really don't yeah, know. I'm thinking, I'm not trying I'm to thinking be... maybe where where the um audience is maybe a little more split. Or maybe just watches both. Maybe, but you is know? that enough to... Because to... we have to remember, TBS is national and yada, yada, yada. I, I know yeah, that. Yeah, that's all I'm I saying. do know that, yeah. but again, is that enough to justify a WrestleMania main event? Apparently, they didn't think so. I think definitely to um, hardcore wrestling fans at the time, that was the match they wanted to see. Yeah, but they don't care to the hardcores. No, they, they don't. You're absolutely right. I'm just saying. And you're right, though, because hardcore wrestling fans didn't want to see Hogan Andre in 87 or Hogan mm-hmm. Warrior in 80. Hardcore wrestling fans wanted to see Mr. Perfect win the world title in 90, Quinn. Right, but hardcore wrestling but you fans... Know what, I but don't you th- get where I'm coming yes, from, right? but I don't think hardcore wrestling fans could pass up the chance of seeing the two biggest yeah. names from the two biggest promotions. Hardcore wrestling yeah. fans couldn't, yeah. but casuals don't know who Ric Flair is. I think it's a little bit of a stretch that nobody knew who Ric Flair was. He was a major wrestling name. fans knew who he was. The only difference Ric Flair opposed to most people, Joe, is that he was like a traveling world champion and he kind of like he got around. Yeah, like but, you know what I mean? Like it's like people kind of knew some of those kids weren't born yet uh, yes. when he was no, doing you're that. Absolutely right. That's I'm just, all uh, yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. So the point is, is I I think I do believe them more than I used to. Mm. I don't think it felt as big to them. And I think they felt, right or wrong, that Hogan Sid was the more tried and true formula. Hogan gets turned on, fights the big fat monster. That's yeah. all I mean. I just think what's so interesting about it to me to this day is they kind of had the perfect setup with the Rumble. I agree. Like, no, you know I what do I mean? agree. Like, fuck that Sid shit. Like, I agree. 
why didn't Hulk Hogan just fight Sid and beat the big stinky giant on Saturday Night's Main Event, and then and then and then Flair, and maybe Flair gets involved or something? Because Hogan couldn't win the title because it was you know it's yeah. just a lot of crap. Yeah. Anyway, it was a good promo from Flair, and we go to Hogan now, who says this is like the day Hulkamania first ran wild. We've accomplished everything we wanted to set our sights on, except that personal dark cloud that has been over him since he won. I've heard everywhere I've gone. What about Ric Flair? Are you ever going to wrestle him, Hulk Hogan? Are you ever going to put your belt against his? See, what I like, Quinn, is at least they're acknowledging yes, that. Yes, this should be awesome. But again, house, house show. show. I yeah. know. And the thing is, the house show feud is good. Yeah. The matches are good. You know what's good. interesting? We w- if we were watching them, we would have seen this because yeah. it's in our area. Right. They would, we would have seen these inserts specifically. I know. Like, yeah, if we were watching back then. Yeah. It is good. Their, yeah. their matches are good. I like them. But anyway, Hogan ends on a very sarcastic woo, which is pretty funny. That's a weird... I, that's <laughs> weird <laughs> even for Hogan. <laughs> yes. Woo. And then Mooney wraps it up without a pun, thankfully, and then sends us away. Go to ringside where Vince shows us a clip from Primetime Wrestling on Monday where the British Bulldog was fighting the Warlord, of course. Always. And then uh, afterwards, he power slammed the Slickster... And guess what? That was actually it for Slick as a heel manager. What a weird way to write him off like a simple power <laughs> slam like that. He was so injured that he decided to change his job. Yeah. Like, it's like, what? It is true, though. That is weird. Anyway, back to the ring where the Warlord is entering with his brand new manager, Harvey Whippleman. What a downgrade. Absolutely. Only the Warlord could pick that. Like, I think a- you'll be a good manager yeah. for me. Like my wand. W is now for Whippleman. (laughs) (laughs) Danny Davis is the referee, and even he's not amused by this bullshit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Warlord's opponent is Brad Kramer. I have nothing to say about him. He's surprisingly in shape. I'll give Brad that. I'll give him that. that. That's about it. Vince says that... Big bot on Brad. (laughs) Big bot on Brad. That's right, Mr. Kramer. Uh, Vince says that Slick now wants to become an evangelical minister. Roddy Piper and Savage are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> a- it is very like opposite <laughs> yeah. of the Slickster. Very. Yeah. Uh, we get a bell and a lockup there. Uh, crossbody is caught by the Warlord. Slam by the W man here. Gut run suplex, which is actually nicely done. Insert promo now from Whippleman, who says that he is going to take the Warlord to greater heights than even he imagined. Just stop. It's the Warlord. Is he serious? <laughs> The Warlord? Greater heights. What's he going to do? Stand on a garbage can? Yeah, I don't know. The Warlord stinks. He does stink. I'm yeah. sorry, but he does. Every, and you know what? By this point, and I, everyone knows he He's stinks. He's terrible. He's the stinkiest. No, <laughs> and, no good. And then the Fink interrupts this. Yeah, still in 1991, I'm asking them to get rid of this in 1984. Be sure to go to Madison Square Garden. Flair versus Hogan, damn it. It's that. <laughs> it's that. Clothesline by the Warlord. Full Nelson. With fingers locked. They are That's locked. important. Very locked. And it's all over here for Dr. Van Nostren. Mm-hmm. Over to Mooney again to plug the <laughs> second annual WWF warehouse sale. What is this, Lennox? <laughs> like, what the fuck? It's ridiculous. <laughs> also known as we have too much shit. Please yeah. help us get rid of it. It's absurd. <laughs> Some stuff is like 60% off. <laughs> they really just, this is like the WF garage sale. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
It's real. For those of you in Connecticut, it's a tag sale, and the price tag won't be too high here. <laughs> the fact that Mooney's shilling like sales is like really weird. It's like extra like used car salesman. It's terrible. Man, Mooney would have made a good um guy on like a ad for like used carpets or something. I don't know. Our prices are insane. Leave off the last S for savings. They almost say that. Yeah, they do. <laughs> because he's like, it's exit nine off of the turnpike or exit 36 from the Merritt Parkway to follow the signs to savings. Take exit nine off the Connecticut turnpike or exit 36 from the Merritt Parkway and follow the signs to savings. It sounds so desperate. It does. It's, it's ridiculous. But I'll tell you what else it is. This Sunday, November 17th. Oh, also, by the way, go to MSG. You know why? Because the Mountie will take on Bret Hart. Mm-hmm. Then we get a promo from Brett. <laughs> <who's> t- <laughs> He's ridiculous. And I love Brett. He starts it with, you know, and says it took him a long, long time to get here. Brett is very much using the Brett voice. Oh, yeah. He has a great line. And I knew that every run scoundrel, every cutthroat was lurking in every corner. Oh, my God. You know, it took me a long, long time to get here. And I knew that every rotten scoundrel, every cutthroat was lurking in every corner. But he didn't think that Mountie would be such a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't he feud with him in like 89, Rujo's? Yeah, it's a continuation. He should know I, this. I feel. Yeah, I feel. Mooney then says Veterans Day is coming and this one will be a war. Please stop. <laughs> he needs to get out of here. There's too many things just happened to Sean Mooney related for I, me in one episode. Way too much. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, also at Madison Square Garden, the Rockers versus the Nasties. IRS versus the big boss man wearing a hat. Right. And of course, Hogan versus Flair. But we go back to ringside where Vince McMahon says it's time for our feature match. As Jim Neidhart's very anvil music hits and he storms out in the yellow coat and the blue pajama pants. This is the feature? <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, <laughs> Jim Neidhart in the, in the parachute pants? <laughs> what the fuck are they? Who are they kidding? Well, next up. Rick Flair oh, enters okay. in his green robe by himself. Well, this is going to be easy then. I would think. This Jim Anvil at this point in time, he's like nothing. No no offense, Anvil, but yeah. This is pre-Mr. Perfect for Flair, but post-Bobby, like... In the nebulous period yeah, here. Basically. So the Nature Boy shows off the big gold belt as Piper is all bitchy about Flair the whole time. Wants me to shut up? You come up and shut me up! No, let's see. Who are you talking to? Uh, Miss Flair. Okay, Flair. Okay, I'm just asking right there. Referee is Joey Morella. Which short sleeves in November, which is weird. A little weird. Yeah. Right about that. Bell circle to start lock up here. Side highlight by the anvil. Shove up by Flair. Shoulder block by Neidhart. Woo by Flair. And they lock up again. Wrist lock by Flair is reverse eye poke. And then he backs anvil to the corner for some chops and some punches. Corner whip is then reversed. Backdrop by the anvil. The announcers, by the way, are annoying during this. And I don't mean Vince. Piper yeah. and Savage are hideous together. It's ridiculous. Vince is the calm one. <laughs> what did he say? I read it. What did he say? I wish you wouldn't have said that to him, Vince McMahon. That just lit a fire under him. He didn't need it. Yeah, yeah, you're already scorching. Clothesline City by the anvil, and he, that sends Flair down. Corner whip charge by the anvil, but Flair moves. Fink has interrupted again. Interrupting the feature? How dare is he? Is he serious? <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Flair slides out of the ring, grabs the anvil's leg, rams it to the post. Meanwhile, Fink is plugging Mr. Madness at the Nassau we'll Coliseum. We'll get to that later. We will. Flair is back in as Savage says, uh, Rick Flair is a leg wrestler. <laughs> Pretty sure leg wrestling is something else that Ooh. Yeah, people pay. M- Never mind. Uh, Flair attacks the leg again as Piper gets unnecessarily defensive now about people thinking that he can't beat Flair. Anvil hammers away. Irish whip, duck under by Flair, and a 
crossbody by Flair gets two? The rare. <laughs> I was like very impressed by that. Actually, I was like, whoa. What is he, 1983 Rick Martel? What I don't know. That? that was good. I thought that was fantastic. It was. This match is actually pretty good. It's okay good. for yeah. an Anvil match. That's <laughs> true. Uh, chop off by Flair and Anvil is down. Piper talks so loud, by the way. You can hear the soundproofing <laughs> echo. I am the one that scares Flair. Look this way, baby. Come on up. You know what? Here's the thing, Joe. You is, can hear the booth. The thing is, is that Piper's building a feud with Ric Flair yeah. from like literally nothing. So he has to really like ramp it up here. In the WWF, it's based on nothing. Yet. Yeah. Obviously, they had a pre-existing history. Yeah, but they're supposed. They, they, he's really just like, like Flair hasn't even cut any promos about him or anything Not yet. Really, like Piper's just supposed to. He just wants to like convey that Roddy Piper doesn't like Ric Flair. So he's just being like really over the top. Here. Very over the top. Yeah. Flair suddenly clamps on the figure four. Anvil is in pain, and Flair cranks up the pressure. Nightheart fights it, but it's not enough. Your winner, Ric Flair. For no real reason, though, other than douchebaggery, <laughs> Flair attacks Nightheart after the match, continues to punish the leg. Figure four again. Knee drops and stomps by Flair. Piper is ranting and raving, and I think, I swear, at one point he says, I'll go ride a yacht! He says it. You're he right. Does, you're right? absolutely right. Ride a yacht! Now, is that like eating a garage? I don't know, or if he was just, you know, Ric Flair's rich. I can't tell, but it might have been. <laughs> so Flair claps on the figure four again, so Danny Davis comes out to talk to him about it. Finally, Flair breaks it, grabs his belt, proudly celebrates. Piper calls it 10 pounds of tin. <laughs> I thought that was good. Yeah. I Again, I appreciate the wrestlers on commentary all pissed to help build the feuds here. As annoying as they were, they're also wrestlers. Yes. Like, so... Come on. They got to act pretty animated about the new the new guy in town, right? The new big heel in town. Acting like the cat's ass, right? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. We now sadly throw to Sergeant Slaughter in front of the Statue of Liberty to try to reverse that year-long <laughs> heel run. This is so shitty. The America the Beautiful plays under Slaughter's melodramatic ode to Lady Liberty. There's only one lady in my life, and her name is Liberty. For over a century, she stood as the gateway to America. Guy, just turn on America. I don't believe him. I know. <laughs> By the way, did you notice they like made the music like crescendo yes. at like a certain point in his speech? So dramatic. Yeah, I, I thought Sally Struthers was going to come in and tell <laughs> us to feed the children. <laughs> but I do have to give the WWF credit, Quinn. When they go all in, they go on. They sent them to the fucking Statue oh, of Liberty. Oh yeah, they, they they film things. Yeah. Like they were like, we must convince everyone. Like remember because they made this like promise to Bob Ramis or whatever that like it would only be for like a couple of minutes that he would be against America. And then everyone's like, fuck you. We don't need you anymore. Yeah. Get out of here. No, but they had to like give him back his gimmick before it was over because it wasn't fair. I know. He, I know. Made, he like he did actually make a sacrifice for them. He and did. They, they, you could tell they felt like obligated. And they, yeah, they did yeah. it. You're right. Yeah. And Slaughter says that he knows what it's like to be without friends and family. So he swears to us in the name of the Statue of Liberty <laughs> that he will help carry the torch for everything America stands for. And then he ends it with, I want my country back. I say to you, I want my country back. Calm. <laughs> this is a little too much. Fuck off, Slaughter. <laughs> back to ringside, where Morella and Davis are still carrying Neidhart out of there. And then the Beverly Brothers <laughs> and the Genius are now in the aisle for their match, right? So they pass by Neidhart, and then they look at each other all sly. Yeah. And then they turn around to beat the shit out of Neidhart. <laughs> what the fuck? That was like very ECW. <laughs> By the way, this is 
but guys, this is like what we mean by the pre attitude. Yeah. Like, this is the kind of shit I'm talking where like this is very out of the ordinary. Yeah. For like superstars, you for, know, what for I mean? a segment to be interrupted by another segment. Yeah, it doesn't happen on this show. This is a show that's used to just being a string of jobber matches. Yep. Like, boom, 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 yeah. boom. Right. Never interacting with no, each other at all. No crossover. Yeah. They're just being dicks. Fucking Bakersfield. Yeah. Man. Fucking Bakersfield. <laughs> Dave Hebner. Damn rich boy town. <laughs> Dave uh, Hebner wanders over with his shirt and tie, but he does nothing except point vaguely. The Beverly's then have a hug before happily going into the ring. Roddy Piper is livid. And the Beverly's opponents are Mark Wilson and Dan Robbins. I don't know or care who is who. They didn't even give us cry on. They don't even try. Yeah, they, it's like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Is that even their names? Jobber A and Jobber B. Seriously, one's yeah. got a brown beard with bleach blonde hair. The other has like a greasy Scott Casey mullet. They look like shit. Yes, they do. But I'll tell you what, Roger Ruffin's Ruffin. Yeah, he's great. I, I know. No problem with the Ruffin. I like Ruffin Ruffin. He looks like a Ruffin. He you know looks that? like he, a rough ref. He's the most aptly named referee I've ever seen. Roger Reffin. Yeah. Is Ruffin. He's Ruffin the, the ref. He's Yeah. Anyway, Blake with an overhead belly to belly and he invites in the other guy. Meanwhile, Vince hypes the Macho and Liz hotline or some shit. 1-900 attached. Yeah, it's... Uh... What the what fuck you, happened I when you called that? I don't know. They're like, we're, we're still married. <laughs> like, it's like, update. Like, you know well, what it's I mean? been a few months and, uh, you know, we're, we're just still getting doing the thing. You know, last night... Liz cooked this meatloaf, and I didn't really like it. It didn't have enough uh, ketchup on it. You, you know, know what I'm we, we had a little fight, but we made up afterwards. That's one of the important yeah. things, little Bobby, is when you when you have a fight, you do the thing, and you be a man. Yeah, and you apologize. <laughs> and then... It's just like <laughs> random musings about their marriage. Like she made a delicious apple cobbler the other night. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I was very happy that night. It was a good cobbler, yeah. and I'll tell you what else got cobbled. Anyway, waistlock suplex and attack to Bo, who goes up for a double axe butterfly suplex by. Bo, nicely done. Tag back to Blake. Can I just point out again how having Piper and Savage on commentary is terrible? It's not good. A lot of folks are calling just to talk to Liz, too. Some are, some aren't, but right now, the Beverly Brothers. Okay, Piper. Uh Trying to be your friend for a little while, anyway. It was long enough. But I'll tell you what, the Shaker Heights spike gets the win. Baker, Bakersfield spike. (laughs) Bakersfield spike. And uh, we now go to Gene Mean here for... Our Survivor Series report. Unfortunately. Your favorite event. Yeah, the greatest event. This one's a Wednesday, November the 27th, Thanksgiving Eve it's for the first time. It's just as disruptive. It's got to be like a week before or a week after. Make the food the night before yeah, and get like, ready. That is, it's the worst travel day of the year. Good point. Hey, let's ask 20,000 people to come to an arena. Go to the Jim also, Lewis Arena. Also, the traffic sucks from <laughs> people going to their like grandparents and stuff. It's like... it's like, Distant cousins. It's literally like... Like, how did they make it worse? Right? Like, how, <laughs> how did, did they, how did they pick a worse night? It's like, true. It already sucked because on Thanksgiving, with. everyone's already settled where they are, or they're leaving. Yeah, the, like the night of. Right. It's just, it, just so so shitty. Anyway, Gene says it is exclusively on pay per view cable television. He didn't say basis this time. No which basis. Was surprising. Basis. Yeah. Anyway, Sid will be out of his match officially, obviously. So it could be the Legion of Doom and the Boss Man against Jake, IRS, and the Disasters in a handicap match. It won't be. We get a promo now from the heel team as Jake says, you know, I feel real bad about what's happening. And then all the heels are like, oh, which yeah. is kind of funny. But there's no Sid justice. Oh. Poor little Sid got hurt. Oh. Now, we feel bad about that. We feel real bad about that. Back to Gene now, who, ple- <laughs> who pleads with Jack Tony, please reinstate the Macho Man Randy Savage. Reinstate Macho Man Randy Savage. Did you catch this? Like, hilariously, Quinn on the screen. 
the word commentary appears while Gene is saying that. Did you see what? that? You I didn't, didn't even notice it? that. That's yes. good. It's like the to, to, <laughs> like, this is Gene's opinion. Yeah. I think he, <laughs> like he's like fucking it, Cronkite. Like it fucking matter. Like Gene's so upstanding. A guy who tries to to sell a house show to you every week. It's like <laughs> he's like a used car salesman. Honestly, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Anyway, this whole era was ridiculous, man. Yeah. We now talk about the gravest challenge. While some very weird funeral music plays. Spooky. (laughs) All right, let's talk about the gravest challenge. As World Wrestling Federation champion Hulk Hogan will be defending against The Undertaker. First, we hear from Hogan. Pretty standard promo, but he does reference Quinn. Winning the title in 1984, which just seemed weird. Yeah, referencing the 1984 canon. Also, the moment we saw 7,000 times in 1984. Very true. They never reference the year with him, though. You know what I mean? In this golden era, they never really do. Sometimes he mentions it. Rare. Like here. Rare, like, though. Back in 1984, brother. Yeah. Like, when I won the title. But anyway, Quinn, what you gonna do when Hulk Hogan digs a six-feet hole just for you? <laughs> I like that Jeez. one. <laughs> we go to Paul Bearer and The Undertaker now. And honestly, you could probably ad-lib this promo and it'd be accurate enough. Prepare to meet your maker. Rest in ass. Exactly. Uh, Back to Gene, who hypes up the other biggie, Flair's team versus Piper's team. So first we hear from Piper, Bret Hart, the Bulldog, and Virgil. Virgil tells Detroit that he's not a thief and he's a very honest gentleman. People of Detroit, I am not a thief. I am a very honest gentleman. Bret says that, you know, when I get my hands on the Mountie in the Survivor Series, he's going to be shocked. Bulldog barks about warlord as you you know warlord you stink yeah he only seems like mildly annoyed which is weird i beat you all the time the match happens every day every week in wwf these days it happens like all year yeah literally it's like it was like the most reliable <laughs> yeah. like if you were going to a wwf show back then you could like you didn't even have to see it on the card you knew it would be there it'd be there and it'd be good it'd be decent piper now gets all ranty about rick flair but the other guys calm him down for like a second, and then he flips out again. Absurd. Yeah, it was pretty funny. Flare your hog nose, son of a name. No, I get my hands on you. Get a grip on yourself. You're a gentleman. Gentleman. A gentleman. I got you. I got you. Gene says that Roddy Piper is a vertible, vertible is a vertible, loose cannon. But also, Quinn, there's a jobbers match. That's right. Jim Neidhart, Jim Duggan, Tito Santana subbing for the dragon, and Texas Tornado will be taking on Skinner, Colonel Mustafa, Big Bully Busick, allegedly, and the Berserker. Wasn't Bully Gone also fucking Survivor Series every single time with this? You list stuff in... I already noticed people are gone. Yeah, Bully was replaced by Hercules. Okay. Which is an upgrade. Yeah, that is definitely an upgrade. It is. Isn't Nightheart gone too because of his fake injury here or whatever? Slaughter replaces him. Oh, right. Because he got his country back. Right. Plus, we'll get the rest of the tag division competing against each other as the Bushwhackers and the Rockers take on the Nasties and the Beverlies. Mm-hmm. Gene can... <laughs> you better fucking order this right now! Call the fucking cable company! <laughs> like, yeah, basically. And then he's like, and don't forget, the day after is turkey. Yeah, yeah, we know. Duh. Turkey the day after. If we can get out of the parking lot from the arena afterwards. <laughs> right. All the traffic jammed up. <laughs> and then get ready for lots of enjoyment. And then turkey, of course, the next day. Back to ringside where Major Yates is in the ring. Who? <laughs> well, his opponent's The Undertaker. Oh, never mind. That question doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who yeah. it is. <laughs> anyway, it's weird hitting the bong with the lights on. 
<clears throat> Paul Bearer has a big garbage bag, so either he's helping the janitor or maybe something else is we'll upcoming. See. We'll see. Uh, we get a bell as Taker gets the gear off. Meanwhile, Vince hypes the whole cot line and says to call now because maybe he'll be dead or something soon. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know, it might be his last time. He might be dead, Roddy. Yeah. <laughs> what? He might be fucking dead. Yeah. Anyway, the referee is Earl Bootleg, uh, punched by the Undertaker. There's a Hulk, a Hulk coffin outside for you know for reasons. For obviously. reasons, yeah. yeah. But where's the Major Yates coffin? <laughs> where's his cryon plastered all Tyron, over the yes. coffin? Like where's you know they had the Hulk stickers on it. Where's the major? Just this Major Yates all over it. Does anyone care enough about Major Yates? I mean, he seems to. They seem to at least thought of his name, Major Yates. That's a that stands out, right? True. That's a good major point. Yates. Major I'm, Yates. Major Yates. Looking forward to his matches. Not minor Yates. Yeah. Very major. Anyway, Roddy says survival series inside <laughs> an Irish whip by the taker. Huge clothes on off the ropes. Fink butts in again to plug shit about NASA Coliseum. Shut up. I agree. Uh, meanwhile, while the taker lends a quick tombstone. <laughs> yeah, it was like, like immediately. NASA Coliseum tombstone. It's yeah, over. Nice and quick. Got to fit 10 more matches in in the last six minutes here. <laughs> For uh, fun here, t- taker puts Yates in a body bag. Carries him the hell out of there. It is a cool looking gimmick in my opinion. I agree. And I mean, it is still his date. Day job, right? Or night job? He still does it. He does it when? busy. Night job? Yeah, remember he goes to that wooden place or whatever, the the log cabin or whatever that is. The log barn. Undertaker barn. My workshop. Yeah. Anyway, to Sean Mooney now to hype up the December 13th show at Nassau Coliseum, we're going to have Jake Roberts and The Undertaker teaming up to take on Jim Duggan and Mr. Madness. (laughs) Ridiculous. But first, when we go to a promo from the very creepy heels, Mm -hmm. Jake and Undertaker with Paul Bearer, so Jake wonders who the fuck Mr. Manis is, but he thinks he might have an idea, and if it's who he thinks it is, he won't be responsible for his actions. And then he asks Paul Bear, what will Elizabeth look like in black? What would Elizabeth look like in black? Fucking very creepy, creepy, yeah. Very. Paul Bear, of course, hams it up as we fade away. So we now go over to Jim Duggan. <laughs> and Mr. Madness, who was pixel blurred out. <laughs> what the fuck? This I didn't expect at all. You've like, never the, seen this before? I never. I was like, what? What? <laughs> this is like so dumb. It's amazing. So uh, he sounds a bit like Randy Savage, but you know, he's who like knows? Atari Macho Man. Right. Yeah, he <laughs> looks like Atari. Oh, yeah, Mr. Madness. Duggan cuts a very loud, very happy Jim Duggan promo about how his board is excited. Uh, Mr. Madness has some closing words for us. This is so silly. I couldn't help but laugh like the whole time I was watching. I was like, this is so dumb. I don't know who this is. Who is Mr. I, I'm not sure, but it's really stupid. It is. It's like that time with the machines where we never really figured that out. You mean uh, the giant one? And the Hulk it's machine. I, I still don't know who Hulk machine is. Billy Graham? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Anyway, Mooney's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Get out of here. Promotional consideration is paid for by electronic hotshot basketball. Man, this early, huh? Forever. I didn't even know that that was out in 1991. I thought that came out in like 94 or something. <laughs> oh, God. WF Hasbro ring with Roddy Piper. It's good. Buy it. Electronic talking battleship. I cannot believe how long these sponsors last. These, the hotshots and the electronic battleship. Forever. That shit's till like 96. Like they're still doing it. <laughs> It's real. It is. It's man. not until like karate fighters come along that it pushes pushes ba- all the battleship out. and hot shots out of here. It's true. Uh, and then of course, fuck Cobra. GI Joe will kill them. Yeah, of course. And them too. <laughs> but at least GI Joe like changes it up every now and yes, then. Yes, they like, do. Like, the, the thing that it is. They but, have different ones. But like 
I swear the Talking Battleship ad is like the same one for like six years. It is. It's a, It's from like 1987 or yeah, something. It's that insane. And then Wolverine for Nintendo as narrated by Lord Hayes. <laughs> he says, Magneto. <laughs> that was funny. Wolverine for your NES. Battle Magneto and Sabretooth. You know what's so funny about video games back then is weirdly like Lord would always narrate the one like the video game people didn't like send them an ad or something. Right. It was like they're like, ah, just let Lord say just it. Just let Lord do it. Read the copy for like an <laughs> NES game. Bugs Bunny's Robin Rob Page. <laughs> get get the mushroom power ups with Super Mario Brawls. You can play Dino Wars. Yeah. And be a dinosaur, Sean. Anyway, back to Superstars to run down next week where we're gonna have the British Bulldog, the Natural Disasters, great team. The debut oh. of Repo Man. That's, that's huge. Very yep. huge. Speaking of huge, Greg Valentine versus IRS. Ugh, don't make us watch that match again. That should tell you how big of a caliber match it was. Yeah, it was on SummerSlam and then bringing it back. <laughs> it should have never been on SummerSlam. Yeah. Promo now from IRS who says that I bet you this will surprise everyone what he calls Greg Valentine. You oh, I'm waiting with bated breath. You Joe. will not believe this. Okay. He calls him a, a tax cheat. Oh, <laughs> never says that. The hammer comes in now to say, you know, fuck you. Say what you want. It's <laughs> hammer time next week. Okay, good. Plus next week, Hulk Hogan will be on the funeral par- parlor and that's all. Thank you, Morgan ZS. Yeah, because this was a very fun peak at a very strange, like we said, but exciting time for the WWF. Like I said, the whole era where Bruce Pritchard is gone is actually really unique, and this is probably the best part of it around October 91 to WrestleMania 8. Yeah, basically. Right? That, like, yeah. six-month period. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. Honestly, it kicks off with the snake at the SummerSlam. There you go. Yeah, and yeah. then it gets all funky after Bruce that. Is gone yeah, the whole time. It's good until he comes back. Like, like you said, fun episode, <laughs> usual great superstars pacing, just so much going on right now in the WF. Like, yep. I love it. I love it too. And folks, we hope you loved it here on OVP. We really do appreciate you being with us. A couple of quick reminders here. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Shoot us an email for anything else. You can do that at OVPpodcast.gmail.com. Join the group if you want to talk about the old wrestling. And if you don't mind, I really mean this, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It matters. I don't know how, but it just does. Electronics, math, I don't know. Electronic battleship. Yeah. But until next time, folks, thank you so much for being with us here. We will see you next week for 248. Until then, I am Joe Morata. That is Michael Quinn, and we are out of here. See ya. Oh, yeah. Thank you very much for... uh... Yes, calling 1-900-ATTACHED, and sightings of Mr. Madness have been zeroing in on the macho man Randy Savage, and I ask you, the caller, why? Uh, huh. They're saying there are a lot of uh, coincidental uh, familiarities between the macho man and Mr. Madness, but I'm just telling you right now that I'm looking into my radar scope. And even though I see the sightings of Mr. Madness out there, I'm telling you that I don't really realize where it took off and where it's going. Uh, President Jack Tunney, if you're listening to me now, even on the 1-900-ATTACH, you can never be too careful because Mr. Madness is a friend of mine. Uh Uh-uh. 
That's not true, because I don't even know Mr. Madness. But if I did know Mr. Madness, I realized that I would be talking to a person of uh, superior intelligence than the person you're talking to right now. That's 1-900-ATTACHED. And you, the caller, realize that Mr. Madness is a friend of mine. So, if you sight him, and he happens to land in your backyard, bring him in and feed him a lot of dinner. Yeah, he loves teriyaki chicken. Yeah, Mr. Madness is a tough guy. If he ever goes against Jake the Snake Roberts, I feel sorry for him. And in the meantime, I'm going to be trying to get reinstated. Thank you very much for calling 1-900-ATTACHED and realize the fact that I am the macho man Randy Savage and I feel very fortunate talking to you. Thank you very much. Talk to you later. Bye.